all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Work. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. Oscar Rouch is welcome back to the Oscar C podcast. Sure, we discuss something throughout history, try to determine where the Academy went wrong. If they went wrong, what film are we watching this week, Zach? Well, we're actually looking back on the year in film, discussing our favorites and most disliked movies of 2023. Oh, right. I guess I can't ask uh, if people have seen this movie because we'll be answering that soon enough. Yes. Oh, how's everybody doing? Everybody have a good holiday. Yeah, I did. It was a lot of uh, chill time. You know, people joke about the void and I've been in it, but it's been a good void for me. Good. But I'm excited to be back here with you guys. Talk about some movies and see my buddies. My Indeed. shirt has stitch on it. He's eating ice cream. It's Ooh. Chill. Yes. Yeah. Heck yeah. As you sit there and eat ice cream as well. As I'm eating ice cream. What flavor is that? <laughs> This is uh, the 7-Eleven 7 Select Go Yum Chocolate Fudge Track. Ooh, I've had that one. That's good. Yeah, chocolate ice cream with fudge swirl, peanut butter cups, and chocolate chip cookie dough pieces. Very nice. It is decadent. There are days where I go, I wish there was a 7-Eleven around me. But then I remember I have diabetes, (laughs) and I don't need four (laughs) or five Slurpees a day. Mm. True. It's dangerous. My wife is addicted to the Monterey Jack Taquitos. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm a buffalo chicken roller guy. Mm. <laughs> They're the most processed chicken I've ever tasted. I love them. <laughs> Something in there. Yep. Indeed. Hey, we got a fun little topic before we jump into our show. Okay. Guess what? The what? 2023 class of the National Film Registry got released. Uh, I believe it was December 14th. How exciting. And I want to talk to you guys about it. Well, let's would, talk about them. I would love right. to hear what's on there. Will you, okay. Are you omitting anything that we're potentially covering? I don't know if... No, I do not believe I am. No, no, I am not. Okay. But before I start down the list, I want you guys to guess one that got in, because it is a Best Picture winner. Guess one. Anyone? Guess, right. guess what? A, a new one got in, uh, and remember the cutoff is 10 years, so it's not anything in the last... This is not 2014 on. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Woo! Is it a Scorsese movie? Uh, only, no. That would only be The Departed, because you said it's a yeah. Best Picture one, right? Best Picture, yep. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I think that sounds far enough. Um, Oh, crap. Now I can't remember what's in and what's not. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 12 Years a Slave. Jonathan? I got nothing, man. That's just, it, It's 10 years is earlier, so that's just a lot of years before that that could still be added. Mm-hmm. So, um, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> perfect, perfect guess. Uh, well, you'll be happy to know that Zach hit it. Really? Nice. Well, here's a slave. Well done, sir. First oh. year of eligibility. Okay, it. that's why I was I was thinking it was right there at the at the point. Yep. So, congratulations, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Good. What a great film. Good. Good selection. All right. Here we go. Going what down about the Masters list. of the Universe? Like, not at all, or <laughs> uh, well, I'm, uh, no. Are you, oh, oh, well, I was gonna wait till the list, but okay. Yeah, no, uh, not this year. We're 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 gonna we're gonna fight for it next year, though. But we will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how many how many how many friends have to die before their films start getting into the National Film Registry? Right. Mm-hmm. All right. How many millennials need to be in Congress? Yeah. All right. So our twenty-five films this year are a movie trip through. Filmland from 1921. 
Okay. <laughs> Dinner at Eight from 1933. Bo film Family Film Collection, 1950s to 1970s. Helen Keller, In Her Story, 1954. Changing. He's a tramp. I got to see it. He's a tramp, but we love him. Lady in the Tramp from 1955 gets in this year. Nice. Oh. Edge of the City from 1957. We're Alive from 1974. Cruising J-Town from 1975. Not cruising. Cruising J-Town. Okay. Not cruising USA. Yep. Alambrista from 1977. Passing Through from 1977. And if you want to live forever and learn how to fly, Fame is in from 1980. You know, I was going to say, instead of Master of the Universe, maybe it was Time Breaking 2 got its chance. But Oh, uh, yes. Yes. If we're going to put anything from the canon canon. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> uh but Breaking 2 didn't get in, unfortunately. But yeah, Desperately Seeking Susan from 1985, co-starring Madonna, got in. Good <laughs> lord. The Lighted Field from 1987. Home Alone, 1990. All right. Okay. I mean, the highest grossing film of 1990. That's not they had to sell their soul to get that in the registry, right? <laughs> At least that's what uh, Selma Hayek will have you believe. Yes. Queen of Diamonds from 1991. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Yeah, now in the film mouth. registry. Toblerone in my mouth. That's Ooh. also in the registry, apparently. Ooh, weird. I know. <laughs> what a bizarre choice. Um, West bizarre choice. Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. Okay. 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 The Wedding Banquet from 1993. Maya Lin, A Strong Clear Vision from 1994. Apollo 13, 1995. Nice. 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 Little Opie Taylor getting a movie in. Uh, Spike Lee's Bamboozled from 2000. One of my favorite Spike Lee films. Hell yeah. Very happy to see that in there. Yeah. Uh, the wonderful Love and Basketball from 2000. Excellent. Yeah, I'm so... Oh, God. Anything Gina Prince-Bythewood does needs to go in there as soon as it's eligible. We waited 13 years. That's kind of a shame. Let's uh, not make that mistake again. Get Beyond the Lights in there as fast as possible. Nice. And our final film that we have not discussed from 2013, also its first year of eligibility, the documentary 20 Feet from Stardom. Oh, that, that's about what, what the, what the background singers? or Yeah, the, the backup mm-hmm. singers, uh, specifically black, back, uh, black women backup yeah. singers who yeah. did a lot for the British invasion in the 1960s and 70s. All right. Hmm. Excellent. Excellent documentary. It's a pretty good list, but not a whole lot of uh, big names there. I mean, you got you got some with Home Alone, like Apollo 13. But a T2. good, solid... T2, yeah. Yeah. Good, solid list. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good stuff in there. And, and a lot of stuff I'd, I'd honestly like to check out. That's it. That's our list. All right. Well, let's talk about some movies. 2023? 2023. So All I right. had a New Year's resolution this year, or this past year, sorry, um, that I would go see a movie in the theater once a week. 52 movies. I did not do that. <laughs> but I beat my record, and uh, we're going to try again this year. I'm right. not going to say I'm going to go to the theater every week, but I'm going to shoot for 52 films this year. At least one new one a week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Manageable. I do that if I count the podcast, but not new twenty new year releases. I'm, so yeah. I need to up my 
new year that I'm living in releases. Well, so what you can do is you can come into December with about 10 and then cram the fucking rest of them in as much as you can in a month. <laughs> it's basically what I did this year. Yep. I got a lot of shows I got to catch up on now, but mm. I got some movies that I saw. Nice. So, all right. So we're going to start with our bottom fives. Uh, Jonathan, Zach, you share yours back and forth. I'll let you know where they are on my list. And if they're in my bottom five, uh, if they're not in my bottom five, I'll share my bottom five and then we'll, we'll go from there. Sounds nice. All right. Well, Zach, would you like to begin on your number five of your bottom five? Yeah. So we're going fifth worst to very worst. Right? Yeah. 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 So, yep. Yeah. So my number five on my bottom five is a film I still kind of liked, but it's down here because uh, I was disappointed overall and didn't, you know, I'll say up front that I don't, I don't watch a lot of movies that I don't think I'm going to enjoy. That's just how I am right now. I don't. I, I've been trying to get into that mindset. I'm only trying to watch movies that I at least have an interest in. Yeah. But like, if, if I don't think I'm going to enjoy it at all, I'm not going to, I'm trying to stay away from it. Yeah. So, uh, my number five on my bottom five is no hard feelings. You know, I, I watched it and it was like fine. Um, but I'd heard a lot of things like Paul kind of, uh, mentioned a sentiment recently and he'll get back to that. I'm sure. Uh, like people were saying, oh, raunchy comedies are back, and Jennifer Lawrence has brought them back, and here we go. And yeah, I guess it had that, but it, it was just fine. It wasn't as good as it was hyped to be. And I like Jennifer Lawrence, so I I liked it a bit, but not as much as I hoped. So there it is. Yeah, I of the one hundred and twenty-two films that I am going to say I have ranked, and I'll get to with the one hundred and twenty. Third film I watched this year is later. Mm. Um, of the 122 films that I have ranked on this list as of January 1st, No Hard Feelings is my 107. We're down there. It was, it was fine. It was, I think Lawrence and uh, the, the male lead are both good in it. And yeah. There are times where I did laugh, but <clears throat> I don't think I laughed as much as I, I really wanted to. Right. Jonathan, what's your number five? Uh, my number five of my bottom five was probably my most disappointing of the movies this year. And that is John Wick Chapter 4. Oh, oh my. Um, oh. John Wick Chapter 4 made me go, I wish there was only John Wick. Okay. Mm. I, I enjoy Turn Your Brain Off, enjoy action movies. I love them. This one just felt unnecessary in everything it did. Okay. It, 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 it felt like the franchise itself was, and, and obviously and deservedly. So a cheap movie that was able to get churned out quick to make as much money as possible to capitalize on a franchise that was hot. There were stylistic choices that felt like they were constantly trying to do the things that they did in the first film. And it felt forced. Mm. And, I looked at the runtime when I turned that movie on. I was like, why the fuck is this brain dead movie damn near three hours long? Mm. And then I watched it and I realized I was about 45 minutes in. I was like, nothing fucking happened. There were characters in here that 
you, you think you're supposed to care about that maybe hey these are going to be tagalongs later on and no like the entire japanese cast that you're like hey look he's made this friend there's his daughter i guess that's going to be something and then she doesn't show the fuck up again really i it, no and the, the ending was just plain fucking stupid mm. And this is from a movie that's supposed to be that. It's supposed to be stupid. I literally, halfway through the movie, went, I get it. You loved the dog. Not what the dog is about. So I, I, I just... I, the dog was a present for his wife in the first movie. I, I, I know. About the I dog. Know. I know. <laughs> and it, it just... <laughs> I wanted to like this movie. Like I said, this was my biggest disappointment. But I just spent the entire time going, I don't need this. I don't need it to be as long as it is. Mm. If it would have been, it's the fight sequences and everything is are what the John Wick movies are about. But I don't need twenty minute fight sequences for each fight. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, you bringing that up made me realize I didn't put this on my list for some reason. Oh so wow! I, I ranked it while you were talking uh, based on the score that I gave it when I saw it. Um, but first, before I reveal where where I put it. So I'm up to 123 films right now, which means that uh, the uh, other film we just talked to, Jesus Christ, my brain is trash. No Hard Feelings? No Hard Feelings is now 108. Okay. Um, so before I do that, I have Trab's list of his top 20 films. John Wick is his number five right now. Yep. And, and that's one of the reasons I was kind of sad Trab's not here, but kind of happy he wasn't because I figured he'd really like this movie. And Again, I wanted to like this movie. I really, I, in fact, yeah. I watched the first three before I watched this one. Like in two days, I watched all four. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, it, maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't have done that. But I, because I was like, maybe I, maybe I want to freshen up on the plot, and then realized, no, wait, this is guy goes on murder rampage. The movie there is no plot. So right. yeah, I don't know the yeah. the. Third, the second and the third movies set up this whole like, hey, secret society thing that you know had a lot of interest, and then in that just didn't pay off. So, right, yeah. Um, for did me, you catch this one, Zach. Oh, I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. Oh, I have not seen it, but I did know somebody else who had it in their top five. So I was surprised to, yeah, here. Yeah, I have it in my number thirty-one. Wow, I gave this four and a half stars. I fucking love this movie. It's a lot of fun. Wow, it is. Right? It is exactly what Jonathan said. It's a brain dead movie. That's just all about the action sequences. That's what I came for. I had a good time. Yeah. No, I didn't get it. Maybe you overheeled yourself a little, Jonathan. Like you said, maybe you shouldn't shouldn't have uh, (laughs) gone through the other movies. (laughs) Here's the thing is, I know I'm going to watch it again because I enjoy the franchise. So, yeah, I I just don't know if I care about what they're going to do from here on out. Yeah, I think if I rank the franchise, I'm going one, four, three, two. One, three, two, four, I think is where I'm at. But again, yeah. Okay. Pretty so good. Yeah. How, Halle Berry with those dogs. <laughs> yeah, what do you make me kind of like Halle Berry? <laughs> like, you know you did something, right? That fucking mm. swishing shit back in the water bottle. That that was just yeah, top tier petty. Mm-hmm. All right. So are we going to your bottom five here? Or are we the are we we doing our four and then you're giving us you, your five? You know what? I, I think I'll share my bottom five because I have a feeling that a lot of my bottom five won't be in your guys' bottom five. Okay. So my uh my fifth worst at my one hundred and nineteenth spot of the year 
Black Demon, which was a shark movie that uh, I think we recorded a episode for for Shark Dress Men never released. Um, it wasn't as fun as I was hoping it was going to be for a really shitty shark movie mm. because they they it's it's one of those times where I try not to let advertising fool me into things, but they made the sharks feel a lot more important than they kind of are and they become important but like the whole first half of the movie there's barely any sharks in it and it kind of kind of brought it down and then it's just not interesting or funny and it's not even like bad bad where you're just having a good time because the movie is so bad it's just kind of dull it's a dull dull movie it was a josh lucas that is uh. the lead of this one <laughs> he's just not uh, yeah. he's just not fun in it it's fair i I, I got to go on a quick sidebar here because I got to ask you something because something brought was brought to my attention today and I need to know if you've heard of this. Okay. Have you heard of what the opposite of jumping the shark is? No. Apparently it's called growing the beard. Okay. Because Star Trek to the next generation got good Riker. <laughs> when Riker grew his beard. <laughs> uh, incredible. So, some trick came up with that. Yeah, and I heard that today, and I was like, "That is fucking gorgeous!" And I'm forever <laughs> using that. Phenomenal. I love mm. it. Let's do it. All right, your guys is number four. Right, Zach. Zach, number four. Uh, again, this is a little unfair because uh, I I watched it with my kids, and it was fine, but not really my thing. Uh, I've got the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, um, which you know, serviceable. Uh, with the lore, a um, couple decent scares, some good atmosphere, but just not great, not worth uh, the box office it brought in, which will undoubtedly get it another sequel. Maybe they can do something more interesting with the sequel. We'll see. But that's really all I have to say about it. It was fine, but not great. That was one that was on my list to watch, and I kind of... I waited my list knowing that I wasn't going to watch them all. And that one was kind of at the bottom of the list. I have no like or want for the, uh, for the franchise. And when it comes to the, the internet mm -hmm. making things that I was forced myself to watch, I think skibbity toilet was where my <laughs> limit was reached. So yeah, I just kind of passed on that one for now. Um, all right. So, I'm going to say that I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would, but that doesn't mean that I thought it was a great film, hardly a good film. Mm -hmm. uh, and that just kind of tells you my expectations going in. I, I don't really know anything about Freddy's except that it's a game where Chuck E. Cheese animatronics jump out at you. Like that's Yeah, that's it. pretty much I, it. I don't know any of the lore. I know a little bit more now that I had to look up who uh, Matthew Lillard's character was in this movie and why why everybody was so like like revolved around him. Um, yeah, I gave it three stars. It's down at my number one hundred, so it's definitely in the bottom half of the list. But mm -hmm. but I mean, bottom of half of my list is getting into the three stars. So yeah, yeah it, it was fine. It, it served its purpose. It was a nice light. Family friendly ish horror, uh, and those those have a place in the world, and I'm I'm glad it exists. I, I do enjoy the uh, the take of a lot of people on Baby's first horror movie, and that it kind of serviced that genre fairly well. Yeah, you know, there were some things in it that when I watched it with my boys, I was like, eh, I kind of wish 
they didn't see that, but they've seen it now. No, no putting that genie back in the bottle. <laughs> Jonathan. All right. So my number four, my bottom five is no hard feelings. Um, this movie kind of nothing burgered for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just uh, was a movie that existed. I, I didn't hear anything about it being raunchy or if it was like, you know, the the Judd Apatow of old kind of thing. But I, I did hear about that one scene, admittedly, may have drawn me towards it and invaded <laughs> my watching a little bit. And I did enjoy that scene and not because, you know, it was a naked Jennifer Lawrence, but because it was kind of funny and I watched it's, naked Jennifer Lawrence fucking suplex a dude. She fucking like, German suplexes this guy on a beach, fully naked. Hilarious. <laughs> that shit was funny. But other than that, I, I think there's something weird about the dialogue and the delivery for much of the movie, which really kind of bought me. I was yeah. like, what is this trying to do? I don't know yeah, what I, it is. I, I could buy that. I could yeah. buy that. I just, it, it, the movie could have not existed, and I don't think the world would have changed in any way. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, Paul. All right. So my number 120 fourth worst film, fourth most disliked film of the year. I don't like to say worst or best because mm. that, that implies some kind of objectivity when this is all subjective. So um, I have Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania, mm. a film admittedly I only watched the last 40 minutes of and never felt in like intrigued to go see what the rest of the movie was like i i watched the whole thing yeah it, it was my number six from the bottom yeah <laughs> yeah it it's in there because it just everything about it was it's ugly to look at and i'm i'm a guy who who really champions like bad cgi being just fine and when i see the price tag on a movie like this and it looks like this and then one of the movies i'll be talking about a little bit later looks the way it looks at a f- like fucking fraction of the budget, like mm-hmm. the denominator on that fraction is double digits. That's how low that was, and that movie looks twenty times better than this. There's there's no excuse, absolutely no excuse why this just looks like globby shit. <laughs> and Ant Man and the globby shit. Yeah, exactly. Globomania. It's <laughs> awful. Like and and all the humor was just bad. Like, I did. I everything about. Modoc in that movie was depressingly awful. Yeah. Like yep. Cor- Corey Stoll deserves so much better. That dude is such a good fucking actor, and that's what we're doing to him in this franchise. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. I still, I still never saw it largely because <laughs> just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, I don't want to see Look, that. Zach, knowing knowing your your taste in film specifically and how little you try to get to these comic book movies, like how you don't just automatically reach for them the way that me and Jonathan do, because we're old school comic book nerds that Mm -hmm. need to feel something. Yeah. This is never watch this movie. (laughs) Don't fucking watch it. It is the (laughs) anti-Zach. It is everything you would not like in a movie. And Poor Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas are there, and oh, oh God, it's it's so sad. It's I'll so sad. The synopsis sometime when whenever I catch up with him. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, just go to fucking Wikipedia. And yeah, even in all honesty, I think even now you don't even need to do that with the whole game uh, not going to be the big bad evil guy anymore. Well, apparently they're recasting him. Oh, are they recasting? Oh, yeah, they're going to screw up the game. 
I mean, it is, it is the multiverse. Mm. I, I don't fucking know. That movie's probably going to be awful too. So who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> uh, All right, Zach, you're number three. Oh, my number three. Uh, another movie I watched because of my kids, but I had a small interest in uh, the Super Mario movie. It's uh, not great. Not not good. It's uh, again uh, to sit down and watch it. It's like this is this is fine. It's basic ass illumination uh humor and the it's pretty, it's a pretty film, the voice acting's decent, and the kids watched it once. They didn't go back to it a bunch like like they do with some other films though. So I think that says something too. It's not like, well, let's watch Super Mario movie again and again. Whereas there's several other uh movies that they watch all the time. Um so my number three worst, uh don't dislike it as much as some but again, as popular as much money it made, it's disappointing to what that suggests. That's why I've got it there. Well, I'll say my opinions on that, and I won't say why. <laughs> Jonathan, uh, I'm not going to say my opinions because my number three is a Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I did not like this movie because it was not made for me. I think this movie services as a kids' movie, and it services that movie that very well. I think. Um, for young kids who like bright colors, my little girl does not really, she, she, she sees, she knows characters. She's at the age where she does recognize characters, but I don't think she knows story or anything like that. She just knows characters. So she sees Mario and she goes, Mario, we want want, want to watch Mario. And cool. This movie is made for a (laughs) three-year-old. In fact, my wife was like, Hey, we're going to watch the Mario movie. Do you want me to wait till you get home? And I said, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i just remember oh, even yeah. my my eight-year-old uh while we were watching it i don't remember which one of the songs it was because there's so many that are used everywhere he's like it was take oh, on me i i remember oh, this story <laughs> thank you yes he's like oh it has this song in it it's like when an eight-year-old recognizes an overused song in a yeah. big movie like this that that yep. says something yeah yep. yeah i just it, it's fine for what it is I think it tried for a different audience, and I think it services for an audience that they weren't trying to get to, uh, but I did not like it. And I didn't think Chris Pratt did bad. I don't think he did good. Um, Yeah. Brooklyn Mario. Yeah. Yeah, just this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, what's your number three? Uh, My number three, don't ask me why I watched this movie, but I did. I turned on Apple TV Plus and said, I'm going to watch Ghosted. <laughs> starring Chris uh, Evans and uh, oh god, what's her uh, Anna de Armas? Yeah, I mean, on the on the surface, that looks like it would be okay. Honestly, on the surface, it felt like you know what? I just I, what it really was is a lot of times on like a Sunday morning, I'm doing laundry and I want something to turn on that's going to be easy to digest because I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie was supposed to be. And I just spent the whole fucking movie going, what is this? Why is this happening? Mm. I don't get what I am watching. And it was just a chore. It was a slog to get through. It's 117 minutes. It did not need to be two hours long. Mm. It was a premise that was 85 at the the most. Stretch it to 95 with credits. It's not... It is not worth your time, your effort, your brain power. It is a 
terrible movie that I just cannot believe somebody paid money for. And it went to, it rightfully went to a streaming service. I didn't have to go see this at a theater. So I'm I'm looking at the cast. I have never heard of this movie even at all. And all I'm seeing is, hey, who wants to make some quick Apple money? And, and yeah, and that's kind of what happens. There's this, there's this entire running joke or a couple of scenes where they keep getting put at gunpoint by some other famous comic actor who is like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to turn you in for whatever bounty you're worth. So get in the car. And then they get in the car and that guy gets shot and some other famous comic actor steps into the car. And he's like, I'm going to drive around and I'm going to, I'm going to kidnap you now. And then like someone will crash into the car, that guy, and then they'll come and like smash mm-hmm. it. I, I don't even remember how the sequence goes, but that's, it just keeps happening. It happens like five times. And like Ryan Reynolds steps in and John Collision. Cho steps in. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, Oh, they pulled in Tim Blake Nelson. Like, yeah. Oh God. I even forgot he was in this movie. Shit. That's how bad this movie. I forgot Tim Blake Nelson was in it and I love him in everything. <laughs> Burn Gorman. Like <laughs> yeah, <Burn> Gorman. <laughs> God, I love Torchwood. Uh, just bad. It's a bad movie. Don't watch it. I will not. Thank you. You're welcome. Two hours. Oh, I'll save us time out here. All right, Zach, you're number two. My number two is, uh, okay. These last two are kind of cheater picks. Uh, because I watched them on purpose because I needed some bad movies for my bottom five. <laughs> That's not and, cheating. And I and I knew I wouldn't like this because I've never I've never really been big on the franchise or anything. But the new Children of the Corn movie um, did oh. not, did not like that. I bad acting and uh, silly situations and just yeah. I only kind of half heartedly watched it enough to say okay, I do not like this. And I'm, so <laughs> that's all I have to say about it. Not a fan of that branding after the first game. I haven't bothered with that one. Yeah, I've seen the first one and went, that was good. <laughs> I think good. I'll stop here. <laughs> you probably don't need to make another one of these. Good yeah. plan. Good plan. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's all I have to say about it. Jonathan, what's your uh, number two? All right. My number two may spark some debate, apparently, which I'm honestly surprised Ooh. by. Okay. Oh. I, I, I don't understand how this could spark debate, but... Uh, my number two is Rebel Moon. Okay. Okay. I I thought it was fucking terrible. I it it felt like Zack Snyder literally going fine. I'll take my ball and go home. Yeah. And and I and I sent the message to you guys, and I hold true to this. Charlie Hunnam does make me miss Paul Walker. <laughs> nice. I like Charlie. <laughs> I I don't. I really. Fucking don't. I, his accent, and like, literally anytime that guy's not doing an American accent, which is fucking weird because he's, God, he's fucking he's British. British. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds terrible. Oh, go go watch Undeclared. He's great on that show. Sure. But I, I just, I, I, I wanted nothing to do with this fucking movie. It, it reminded me of Dune in the whole... You're, you're not all you're doing is setting characters up in this movie, but I don't care about any of these characters right now. Hmm. So it is, I don't know. I'm gonna watch the next one, but <laughs> I just don't want to, but I'm yeah. going to to hopefully get something out of it. So I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I, I was slightly interested because I always think Zack Snyder at least does something a little interesting, but um, so, so this concept seems to be what if um what if george lucas had made 
a space opera remake of Seven Samurai instead of Hidden Fortress. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm not going to sit here and defend the movie. I won't. Because I understand everything's Jonathan, everything Jonathan's saying. It is kind of empty. It's a little boring. It goes on way too long. It, it kind of abandons its protagonist about like 40 minutes into the movie. It's yeah. Like, well, okay. Bring she's, she's around, she's in the background, but she's so important for 40 minutes of this movie. And then they're like, all right, fetch quest to get all the rest of the seven samurai. Mm. And then they have an action sequence that ends the movie. That's interesting enough. Um, I will say that I gave it three stars and I enjoyed it more than I thought it would, but we're in the same, we're in the same boat as five nights at Freddy's where I just had such low expectations, even as a Zack Snyder apologist, I had such I, low expectations that it, it just kind of met me in the middle. Yeah. That's I've seen, fair. I've seen so many like three star reviews. I haven't seen anybody who loved it. I mean, I'm sure uh, they're out there. See, but and that's the thing. Like, I honestly yeah. thought there was going to be more people on my side where it would be like, hey, what the fuck is this? Because yeah. I had hoped that it was like, you know, I had said, I make the joke, you know, Zack Snyder taking this ball and going home cool do that but you know do some cool shit with it and yeah. i don't feel like he did cool shit with it i think it was literally just fine I, I have an idea let me see how quick i can do this and yeah that's what he did and i, I like you know if if we end up getting a four-hour cut where he was just like yeah netflix made me cut this down to this which mm-hmm. you know whatever fine but i just don't like think i like Zack snyder I don't. <laughs> I'm such an apologist. <laughs> That's like, and actually, I was talking to my friend when it came to John Wick Four. I'm like, hey, I'm actually happy that you know they finally got rid of the whole Zack Snyder school of stupid slow mo. But yeah. it, That's, it's speed ramping. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like that. It's and it was cool for the the first movie you did it with guy. It, it it does not need to be your lens flare. You know, right? Yeah. Watch it. I do. I, I, I will say of, of the movies that I have put on my bottom five, all of these, I would the rest of them, I would say don't bother. This is what I would say. Watch. I think it's worth having an opinion on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I won't push anyone to watch it, but I will say that if you're interested, go for it. Like it's worth it's worth seeing to at least have an opinion about it. Yeah. All right. Paul. All right. Number two. I'm going to read you the top four actors of this film. And you tell me, how did this go so wrong? Diane Keaton, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, William H. Macy. This this sounds like this should be a home run, right? <laughs> or at least, you know, yeah. something uh, interesting and and in the hands of a good writer. It would... And that's the even weirder part. Uh-huh. This was written and directed by Michael Jacobs. Oh, who is the creator of boy meets world. Yeah. And I saw that name and I was like, Oh, I'm interested to see what Michael Jacobs does. Not this. It's baffling. This film is so baffling. I can't remember if it's, if it was based off a play or some horse shit, but I can't imagine this play being any better, but it's, it's about two, two el- older couples who they're cheating what, what's on each the other. Title? I vaguely remember. Oh, you. maybe I do. Maybe I do. Okay. Which is which is just a nothing title. <laughs> uh, but it's just about these two couples, and they're cheating on each other with each other. Oh. But they don't know each other. 
<laughs> just and then uh one of their daughters and one of their son are getting married or they've just broken up. I can't even remember. It's been so long since I watched a goddamn right. movie. So they're trying to like they're trying to tell these kids why being together is good while, you know, all their marriages are falling apart. And mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it sounds like an interesting concept for a film and they it did does. nothing with it. Uh. Like at Michael Jacobs dropped the ball so hard. And that's such a shame when girl meets world was such a good show mm. and, uh, just broke my heart to damn broke stinky, my heart. stinky, just so many good names attached to this movie. Oh, and the daughter is Emma Roberts, who I also like. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Emma Roberts, but when she's in stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Bad. All right. Number one's time. All right. Bottom of the list. Bottom of the list. Bottom of the list is one I kind of hate watched because I knew I wasn't going to like it. I didn't like even the concept of it existing. Um, more so because of the precedent it sets and the ideas that it's opening up. And it's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It's, <laughs> I refuse to watch that movie. Yeah, I was giving it. <laughs> Joe tried to make me, and I told him no. Yeah, I, all admittedly, I did not watch the whole thing. I watched segments of it uh, throughout because um, I was okay, this is going exactly how I thought it would. And I was like, let me at least see what the characters look like. And they're just wearing bad rubber masks, and they don't even look anything like the characters. There, there was a brief moment where there was some hand-drawn scenes of, of Winnie the Pooh characters, like very kind of weird sketches with some uh, a, a narration. And I was like, okay, we'll see. And then all of a sudden, it's just a teenage slasher film with these girls in the cabin, and the characters were abandoned by Christopher Robin, and now they're mad, and they've gone feral, but they don't... There was no creativity put in into the the costumes or the characters or the motives. And first of all, I, I don't think that this is a clever thing to do. You could do clever things with uh, stuff that's entered the public domain. But, you know, I'm, I'm already not really a fan of slashers anyway, but he made it, I think he made it for like a hundred thousand dollars and it made 5 million or something. So he made a big, uh, profit and now it's going to open up a winnie the pooh cinematic horror universe and that just sounds like the worst thing in the world to me Um, and there's like four or five other things entering the public domain this year i can't remember which one's like i was just gonna say don't worry zach (laughs) because the steamboat willie version of mickey Mm -hmm. has entered the public domain this year and in march we're already getting mickey's mousetrap good lord no i (laughs) I'm just not, I'm not here for that. So that's why this movie is my worst movie of the year. Yeah, I figured that's where it ended up for me. So I just <laughs> stayed away from it. I'm not going to watch Mickey's Mousetrap. Yeah, no. It, it, you know, and I, I just told the end before we got into recording. I need to find out what's going to be going into the public domain soon so that we can start working on like a Riverdale style teen drama mm-hmm. starring those characters because. If we're going to do something, at least do something fun and creative it's, and interesting. Is Superman entering the public domain soon? No, 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 no. Uh, if he is, it'll be another, let's see, what's it, 24? So another 14 years. Okay. So Superman's in the public domain, 38. And look, don't do public domain shit with 
Superman. Siegel and Schuster got fucked enough during their lifetime on the rights to Superman. We don't need to be screwing them around anymore. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, you're number one. You're bottom one, whatever. The number one worst film that I have seen of the 25 films that I've seen this year. Uh, the other four, like I said, are either don't bother or, you know, watch to get an opinion. Uh, this one fucking don't is 65. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it was just fucking boring. You know how uh, No Hard Feelings was my 107 and they got moved down because of John Wick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 65 is my 107. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, 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 you know, all right, Kylo Ren's going to go fight dinosaurs. Sign me the fuck up. I had not even heard of this movie until I was like, oh, here it is. Let me watch this. And then I watched it and I went. From the guys who brought you the. Oh, God damn it. Quiet place. Yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just straight up boring. That's what I've heard from anybody who's seen it, too. Hey, but whatever money they made off of this movie, apparently they turned around and opened a independent movie theater in Davenport, Iowa. So keep giving them money, because if they're going to keep putting economy into their hometown, I'm all for that. And that's fair. I just... Not not, not this one. Not this one. This one was just bad. It's it's dull. Like, I nothinged this movie. Like, it wasn't even... It wasn't even bad enough to put that low because I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. It's like, hey, look, there's dinosaurs and Adam Driver shooting at him. Yep. I feel something. Yeah. After Earth felt like a better movie. At least After Earth is doing something. Yeah. yeah. And this is, you know, and this is one of those ones where I'm like, hey, they they didn't have the biggest budget. The special effects aren't great, but you know what? They worked for the movie, but they didn't do anything. Like, I'm trying to think of scenes from that movie, and literally yeah. only scenes of After Earth are popping in my head. And the only thing that's popping in my head is the trailer, because I saw it so many times. Yeah. And I can't think of anything that happened outside of the trailer. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Workman, I, I think we can assume, but we'll go ahead and let you tell us what your number one worst film of 2023 was. All right. be a drum You're, roll. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, you probably assume correctly, because it's the Super Mario Brothers movie. This yeah. is the hollowest, the hollowest, most cynical film that was made this year, and there is nothing good about it. The plot is unimaginative and uninteresting. I mean, can can we please stop getting can we please stop getting like these people from the real world get sucked into fantasy land or these people from fantasy land get sucked into the real world. It doesn't have to be every fucking children's movie based on another property. They could just exist in the mushroom kingdom and we can start there. I'm looking at yeah. you too, Sonic. God damn. I fucking hate it. Smurfs. I mean, it is an entire anime genre. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, which works for that. It, and there was just, a good movie that had that concept, but like you said, every kid's movie doesn't have to be that. Yeah, I mean, like you're, you're going to get never-ending story. You're going to get some other things, but like it's it's just all it is. It's it's the laziest way to start. He's not having a good time in the real world, so he's going to go to the Mushroom Kingdom. Why? The real world's not part of the fucking Mario story. It was part of the the 93 film and it works in that movie because that movie's just weird as fuck. At least that movie does something. Right. I'm tired of saying these movies don't do anything. I'm, I'm trying to think of better things to say about it, but they shut my brain down. It, it is crass. It is boring. 
Fucking Chris Pratt as Mario is one of the worst performances of the year. Charlie Day is Luigi. Charlie Day should not make me want him to shut up as much as he did in this movie. And he did it in <laughs> Fool's Paradise, too, which was at my number seven, if you want to know. Like, and he didn't talk in that movie. I still wanted him to shut up. Um, <laughs> maybe he did talk in that movie. I don't remember that movie very well because it was so boring. But just, it, it was a whole bunch of, all right, now this needs to happen because this needs to happen. Right. We need to have the Mario Karts in here. Why? because kids like the Mario Kart, so the Donkey Kongs have them. Why do the Donkey Kongs have them? Because the Donkey Kongs have them. Why? (laughs) This doesn't make sense. You're just doing this. Now they're on Rainbow Road. That shit! Why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. That was like the one scene of the movie I liked, but it didn't make sense because it it was weird. I mean, I can't even say I liked it. It was visually cool, but why are you having a Mad Max Fury Road reference in the Super Mario movie? (laughs) On and I get, I at least kind of get the idea of having you know it's the same reason you have Matrix references and Mo- and Shrek, uh, like yeah. children's movie at the time. It's it's like oh the adults are coming to see this. Let's reference something maybe they like. People really like Mad Max, do Mad Max. But I don't want to be pandered to in my kids' movies. It's the most boring thing is to sit in a movie and go, hey adult, you get this right? Yeah, I get it, but I don't want it here. If I want that, I'm going to go see Furiosa in 2024 because that shit looks rad as fuck. Right. <laughs> like, but but then that one Koopa Troopa steps out and he just shouts, Blue Shell! Is, you didn't explain the rules of the Blue Shell. He just does it. Right. Like, <laughs> you don't need to over-explain things to me, but explain something. At least, like, hey, you know, they get onto the road and they're like, hey, watch out. Sometimes these Koopa Troopas could turn into a shell that's going to come straight at you. So just keep, <laughs> just, just, just keep your head on a swivel. Like, it's so simple. Right. But he just steps out and he shouts it. And then you're supposed to go, it's a blue shell. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Stupid ass. I fucking hate this movie. It is, <laughs> it is one of the worst. And I am a defender of children's film. And it brings me no joy to shit on this movie. But mm. God damn it. It just hurt every sensibility in my being. And then my kids are sitting there enjoying it. And I really, really don't trust their taste anymore. <laughs> right. There's awful, awful people. And I, and, and I feel so much the same as you. I'm not, not as, uh, uh, strongly but there's so many people that also love this movie this year and i don't get it like yeah it, it, it's it's because our especially like i don't want to play like generational bullshit but like especially people younger than us who have mostly come up in this era of nostalgic callback writing and filmmaking yeah. where for like the last 15 years we've got nothing but oh remember this thing remember that right, right. member berries yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it is really strong for people of like a little younger than us and and i'm not saying we're immune to it we're absolute right. all of this member berry shit is for millennials yeah this is this is our fault yeah i'm taking the blame for this <laughs> yeah. shit and and being being pander to in my 20s was nice and now i'm almost 40 i'm like stop it <laughs> i've had 15 years of this and i've done right and yeah, it's little more it, so many products are little more than just a hodgepodge of look at this thing that you know that's been shined up and put in a new situation or something. I don't know. It's right. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's the the point of the original intent of all of the shit that we enjoyed as kids was to market the toys. Yeah. And now they're not even making those fucking toys. They're like, hey, you guys remember this shit? It's like, yeah, we remember. 
Yeah, fucking Ronald Reagan. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it it's and, and and I feel like Super Mario Brothers is the the precise culmination of everything that I don't that I haven't liked for like years at this point. I'm just like we need to we need to knock this shit off. And if we're gonna make movies based on IP, at least let them be creator driven movies based on IP. Let let films like the fucking uh, Spider Verse movies exist. You took all the wrong lessons from Spider Verse, mm-hmm. and you made this yep. movie. <laughs> yeah, but. If it makes you feel better, the Super Mario video games are still turning out just fucking amazing. Oh, Mario Odyssey is one of my favorite games. Like, play, play Super Mario Wonders. Yeah, I, I've heard that. and I'm, It's so good. I meant to buy that for my children for Christmas, but we had some <laughs> financial setbacks. Fair I didn't get it yet, so one of our kids might get it for their birthday. Yeah, mm. it's, it's really good. Yeah, because I want I want to play that. I like I like Mario games. I think they're a lot of fun. But the thing about the Mario games is the Mario games are always moving forward and they're always doing something interesting. And that's what they do. They do. They change it by sticking to the formula and going. Guess what we can do with this formula? Yeah. Even even when yeah even when you made something like New Super Mario Brothers, it it was still pushing the boundaries of what the fuck like uh, the the Super Nintendo Mario's were doing. Yeah. Right. It it is taking everything and it's moving forward and in like mario odyssey is such an interest interesting story sure it still bowser kidnaps peach and uh, mario has to go rescue her but it at least has some storytelling and it does a bunch of new things that's that they've never done with mario yeah and this film is yeah. just like instead of being like all right let's push mario into film by doing something new doing something interesting they said hey let's make a mario movie where we just make a bunch of references to donkey kong and fucking Mario Kart and it will make people think about old Mario. No, do something, do something different. Yeah. Yeah. It, in the worst part of all of Mario is the fact that they greenlit the Zelda movie. Yeah. yeah. And if it, if it's going to be illumination, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. Yeah. I'm going to see it. I'm going to fucking see it. And I'm literally, I think I might actually cry after I'm done. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks for probably in my favorite franchise ever. And, shit yeah. on its chest yeah i'll probably be going to see it because my kids don't want to see it and yeah i would not have seen i the super mario brothers movie is the number one movie i did not want to see this year and i got kids and i'm a mediocre father so i was like okay we'll <laughs> do this one thing hooray for mediocrity you Me and hold it over their head for the rest of their lives yep exactly all right well that was our bottom five and, stinky uh, yeah. yeah. So let's, let's yeah, let's Radio turn DJ. this around. Yeah, let's let's talk about some good movies. Let's Hopefully. talk about these movies. <laughs> All right. I have Trav's top twenty ready to go. I have my top twenty ready to go. Let's talk about some good movies. All right. All right. Let's jump into our top five. And Zach, I wanna know what was your number five movie <clears throat> of the year. All right. I'm gonna let you two trade off. And then I'll I'll jump in with my picks and then yeah. wherever whatever I have left over I we will talk about when we are done. All right. Okay. So right off, I'm being weird because I want to I want to put an honorable mention because it's a big one. Do it. I I just want to put my as my honorable number six all the releases of Wes Anderson from 2023 because <laughs> <laughs> so, I I enjoyed Asteroid City. I didn't like it enough quite to make my top five, and I I really enjoyed uh. The wonderful story of Henry Sugar, in particular, was my favorite of the 
yeah. Netflix shorts. Phenomenal. Uh, uh, so. I have an asteroid city at my number eight. So you are in good company, yep. sir. Cool. No, you're not. <laughs> not completely. Oh. <coughs> All right. Yeah, you're right. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> I forgot. I'll, I'll keep my station. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to be a, uh, a dick here. And, uh, well, I don't know. My number five is a tie. I couldn't pick. <laughs> but I'm just going to say Barbenheimer. I have Barbie and Oppenheimer tied at number five. Um, I, even with high expectations for both, I enjoyed them so much. Uh, Oppenheimer, even though I pretty much knew what was going to happen, I was still like at the, on the edge of my seat and so tense through everything. The acting was so good. The writing is good. The use of music visually, of course, it's gorgeous. Um, and it just, uh, um, there's somebody else here who will have better things to say about it than I do. I'm sure. Um, yeah. And Barbie, uh, beautiful piece of candy and, uh, some strong feminist ideas, but I, I hate so many guys took the wrong message from it because they can't look at themselves and, and laugh. Um, but Ryan Gosling was amazing. And I'm just Ken is like in the back of my head permanently for the rest of my life. And I'm not mad at it. Uh, hope that wins a, some award. Mark Ronson was awesome. Yeah. So I'm cheating and saying tie for Barbie and Oppenheimer at number five. All right. I put Oppenheimer at my number 14. Uh, I had, I really liked Oppenheimer. I really liked Nolan branching into a more stylistic approach and what he was doing. I liked, he, he, I enjoyed the, the artsy Nolan we got out of this, but it was a little long for me. And I'm, I'm sure there is going to be some like, and it is, and I can appreciate a long movie. I really can. I promise you, but I just felt you're like you're a Lord of the Rings fan. So you, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Said otherwise, like, you said otherwise you're a fucking liar. Yeah. But I just feel like Oppenheimer was a little too long for me. Um, but yeah, it was a, a, a really good movie. Just it, it got a little too dull at points. I'll say there is more courtroom drama aspects to it than I expected, yeah. but I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I did like it. But that being said, Barbie was my number five. Oh. Um, I fucking love that movie. Uh, I, I, I enjoy... It, it being called a feminist film, but at the same time, I I enjoy how much this movie tries to destroy toxic mas- masculinity mm-hmm. and tries to uplift men as well. Yeah. In yeah. the best way. And the worst part of this movie is the lessons that are fucking being learned from it are all wrong by the studios. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that too. They're Mattel going... Holy shit, Barbie made a whole lot of money. Instead of going, holy shit, we had the right director make this fucking movie we, we had in the, the right best di- way. We had the right director make this movie, and we let her make it the way she wanted, and yes. people connected with that message. Yeah. It's like, this has never happened before, we unless don't need it's the all hungry. the fucking time. <laughs> we don't need the Hungry Hippos movie, or another... Well, I mean, come on, let's yeah. not... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not say things out of turn. Yeah. Well, to be and, and again, to be fair, in a movie that got put higher on my list than I thought it was was Gran Turismo, and way better than it had any right to be. Any fucking right to be. <laughs> Neil Blomkamp, um, good job, sir. Yeah. 
but it, it's literally just like, hey, it's it's almost like at one point somebody was like, hey, let's let's let some comic book nerds try to make a movie, and people go, holy fuck, that was a good movie. Let's just make fifty fucking millions of it and ruin it along the way. Yeah, and then have a bunch of have a bunch of TV directors come in so we could push yeah. them around. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just the wrong lessons are being learned from every, the studios every single time. Every single time something comes out of nowhere, becomes the biggest hit in the world. Suddenly it's yeah. like, oh, well, it's obviously because of this. And everyone goes, no, 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 no. It's because you put a director who cares about the material in charge and let them do it their way. No, that can't be it. It's, no. it's because you guys like seeing movies about toys. We're going to make yep. movies about toys. It, it's the IP. <laughs> it's it's obviously the IP. Like, motherfucker, she, Greta Gerwig could have made this movie with Polly Pocket. Which they're going to yeah. they're gonna be making a Polly Pocket movie. Of course they're going to fucking make a Polly Pocket movie. <laughs> Lena Dunham or whatever her name. I mean, I thought she was like half canceled or something. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't want to get into that because that. Yeah, but I, I just Barbie was a just phenomenal film. And I've had too many friends. Of, I'm not going to go see the fucking Barbie movie. Like, you know what? Then you don't fucking deserve it. Yeah, yeah. because you're going to get the wrong goddamn message out of the movie. And fuck you. Fuck yeah. you indeed. And it's like, you know, we talk, uh, when I mentioned when you're talking about uh, the whole jumping into the real world stuff, it, it in the Mario movie, it makes sense here because we're having real impact with right, people's right. lives. And, but but the, the difference here, the difference here is that that's not, that's not necessarily the crux of the entire plot because mm-hmm. there is a deeper metaphor going on with Barbie coming into the real world because Barbie needs to learn the lessons of what makes Barbie Barbie. Right. And uh, before I move on, this is my number 14 right now, and I'm going to be rewatching it soon, apparently with the American Sign Language on Max. Watch the American Sign Language version on Max so we can get more of those. Being an ableist piece of shit is not okay. Um, So, so yeah, there, there is a deeper central metaphor with doing that halfway through the movie. And it's important for Barbie to see the impact that she has had in the world on certain people and why her message needs to be, needs to be more important. Yeah. And why her presentation clouds that message for women of especially younger generations. And with, without all that, you're just like, okay, well, you know, this movie did that, so let's do that too. No, there, there's something behind it. There's, if, you're, if your metaphor isn't as deep as Barbie's, please don't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> it, it. I hate it and it's lazy. Oppenheimer, on the other hand, I rewatched today before we did this. Mm. It was my number 10 this morning. It is my number six right now. Holy fucking shit. That movie is everything. It is so goddamn good. There are so much going on in this film. There are so many layers of storytelling happening that the more they get unpeeled during the course of the movie, the richer and more beautiful the text becomes. The The idea of, of power, who wields it, how, how it affects the people that it is aimed at. Like, not just, not just, the government wielding its power over Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer wielding his power over his subordinates, Oppenheimer being the father of the atomic bomb and 
him having being forced to wield that power over the Japanese and the effects that has on him. All of this is just incredibly beautiful mm -hmm. and deepest themes of loyalty in this film and how that continuously comes up for every character who they're loyal to, why they're right. loyal to the, 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 the people and the institutions that they're loyal to, uh, like even, even down to Oppenheimer constantly cheating on his wife with multiple women, like that kind of loyalty. And that the fact that she stands by him and is loyal to him to the very fucking end, that scene where she won't shake Benny Safdie's hand <laughs> kills me, slays me. I fucking mm -hmm. love it. Like this man is your husband is kind of a piece of shit. He definitely cheated on you. You know he cheated on you. It now is in, is in like official testimony that he has cheated on you. And you're still like, bro, you looked my husband in the eye, you ratted him out, and it shook his hand. You're a piece of shit. I want nothing to do with you. I right. fucking love this movie. It's so good. So good. I, Jonathan, I disagree with you. This movie was not long enough. Fair enough. Six hour cut of Oppenheimer right now. I want it. <laughs> I want it so bad. This movie's so good. I could have. Yeah. There's so much Gorns, more that can be explored, really. Yeah. Ludwig Gorenz's score is so good, it makes this movie breeze by. Mm. The editing is also phenomenal. Jennifer Lane's editing perfect perfect everything about this movie six stars in a biscuit i love it <laughs> nice all right well zach what's that number four my number four is anatomy of a fall which uh first and foremost i will never again hear 50 cents p-i-m-p -P the same <laughs> um yes, the sure. way <laughs> the way that move the song is used is in the beginning so oppressive and then it becomes so haunting and and like the son having to listen to it while they're trying to reenact things it's, ugh, the movie is so tense and well stated um i think paul when he first mentioned seeing it it's not really a spoiler to say there's never there's not really a definitive uh yeah it's reveal of it's ambiguous to the entire movie yeah but so many different people will have a different feeling i'm sure about what they think ultimately it's not the most important thing um just the the way it speaks about um first relationships how relationships can develop when you have two very driven and and creative people who uh struggle as partners struggle as individual people um and when tragedy is introduced in multiple aspects of your life and how it affects you and how it changes you. And uh, it's just such a good, well-made movie. And um, it's one that that's going to stick with me for a while. Before I move on, did I say Trav has uh, Oppenheimer at three and Barbie at four? Oh, oh wow. Nice. Okay. Nice, Trav. Okay. Uh, I just want to put that out there. Sorry, Trav. Uh, I'll do better. He does not have anatomy of a fall in his top 20, so. Okay. Don't don't worry about that. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall is so good. Mm. It is at my eighteen right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's at my eighteen with five, four and a half stars. Uh, it is the top of my four and a half stars. So I have seventeen five star movies. Nice. Because, because this is all arbitrary and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, it means something to you, or it maybe, does. Maybe it it's, per, it's a it's a personal opinion and ranking, but in the overall sense, 
this this will probably be on the internet as long as the internet exists. But as soon as I die, this this list is going with me. Not fine with that. So anyway, um, I will print it and put it in my basket. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's 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 phenomenal for a court a courtroom drama. It just mm-hmm. the the way that they give you this push and pull of Sandra Hewler's character, just like they give you that shadow of a doubt, and mm-hmm. then they take they they give you the doubt right back, right? And and, and then they they just keep the uh, yeah. it waxes and it wanes, and I mean we walked out of that theater, and I think. I think it talks a lot about me and Joe where Joe walked out of the theater. He's like, man, I can't believe she killed him. And I was like, I don't think she did. It's also not important. Right. Like that's the least important question of this movie is whether she did it, which mm-hmm. I find fascinating. Yeah. The movie is not concerned with whether she did this shit or not, because that's not the point of it. The point of it is to kind of like lampoon the French justice system. Yeah. Yeah. And, and her being guilty or not, no, you're not supposed to give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, you might have an opinion on it, but it's not the last thing you need to be thinking about because there's so much going on. Yeah, that opposing lawyer is such a douchebag. I love him. <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. Right. I think. <laughs> I think whether or not she did it really only matters to the son. But even he, just like if he puts a seed of doubt, you know, with what he does with the dog and the dog's incredible acting, <laughs> and he's like, that okay, fucking dog, Jonathan. <laughs> That dog <laughs> is the best actor. Give that dog an Oscar. Yes. Nice. <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely. There's there is a scene where you think they kill this dog. They don't kill the dog. You think they do. And the moment you see that dead dog, you're like, <gasps> and then that dog is he's back. He's acting. He, and it's what is going on? <laughs> I I I don't understand how they did it, and I'm, maybe I'm not going to look at how they did it. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to know. Movie magic. I, I wanna, yeah. that, that dog was actually poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the kid, you know, even if he's like, okay, maybe she didn't do it, that's good enough for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Number four. All right, number four. So, <clears throat> I will say that my list is very much Jonathan's favorite movies of the year list. It is yeah, definitely it not be. a Yeah, absolutely. what I think are the best films. So Oppenheimer would have been higher. Um and my number 4 would have if I look at what were the best films of the year would have been my number 2, but it is my mm-hmm. it is still a my top 4 are my bias picks. Okay? Good there. Uh my number Good 4 bias. is The Holdovers. Uh, because of my Giamatti bias. Holdovers is my number 11. I have a feeling I'm going to rewatch it. It's going to end up in my top 10, but go on. Yeah. Mm. Um, fuck this movie. So good. It's so good. Like It's <laughs> so good. Like, I just think about it. Like I love Giamatti so fucking much. I think he might actually be my favorite actor. Um, <laughs> great pick. Untouchable. Yeah. But <laughs> he, he didn't outshine anybody in the movie. Because everybody in this fucking film was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Divine? Uh, div- uh, Divine? I think Joy it's Rainbow? pronounced Davine. Is it? But okay. I've I've heard that from other people, so I need to watch an interview with her. But we'll go with Divine for now. She was Divine. She <laughs> no. she is my favorite divine performance of all of 2023. And yeah, all if yeah, in she needs that fucking supporting. 
if if I be I'm going to be so mad when they don't give it to her because she is yeah. she is absolute perfection in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like she plays pain and grief unlike anybody else, but on the flip side, she's like just an absolute joy to watch in any other scene when she is not having to like grieve her dead yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that movie too. I have it at my number 7 and the only reason it's not really higher is because for lack of a better sense, I feel like Oppenheimer and Barbie were more important, quote in air quotes of important. But Holdovers was a, a great, great film. Dude, and the thing about Holdovers especially is Alexander Payne is very much for me. Mm. Like <sighs> is he your he, Wes he, Anderson? He, he, he's <laughs> I don't want to say he's my he's my Wes Anderson, but he is he is the closest Wes Anderson I'm going to accept. That's, sometimes that's, he will that's get a little too close. Wes Anderson. <laughs> that's pretty close. He's a little twee. He, so, but that being said, because like Sideways, I, I I don't like Sideways. But my favorite film of 2004. Yeah. <laughs> but I just this this film was fucking phenomenal, and I want to make sure it does not get slept on by people, even though right. it's probably going to be like most of Alexander Payne's films are, because yeah. Because Wes yeah. Anderson exists. Well, yeah. uh, you know, and not to, I'm never going to like pigeonhole a movie as something, but I think it could easily become a new holiday classic, you know. It, it should. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. Think there be an, like, there, there's, I think this captures that melancholy kind of Christmas in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie. Mm. Like, it it has such a an interesting and unique feel to it, yeah. but it still feels very Alexander Payne. Yeah. Yep. And I like, you know, I like that it doesn't go like, oh, super duper happy Christmassy ending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's so honest and it's so real. Right. And for for a film that has such a such kind of a a, a constructed conceit, it it works within it so well. And mm. the characters are all they you understand all of them, you understand exactly who they are, why they are the way they are. They they do so much great character work and it pays off. Like you want to love all of these people because they need it. They need this love in their life and you want to be that person for them. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently a a friend of ours has been looking um, since childhood for uh, that snow globe that is featured in this film. Oh really? Kayla was kind of watching with me and she saw that snow globe. My friend's looking for that. And, I was like, well, you could tell them it's essential to the plot. <laughs> and it's used in a questionable way. Yeah. But he just liked my review of We Grown Now. Oh. Which was, this stabbed me right in my white guilt. <laughs> uh, no, this film's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Did Trav have it ranked? No, Trav does not have it in his top 20, so I don't mm. know if he's seen it. Okay. He, he said he only got to it about 70 movies this year, so. Well. All right. Well. Zach? Is it me? We're at number three now? Number three. Number three. My number three, largely based on a Paul Workman recommendation, Ooh. Past Lives. Oh, uh, it's my Past number one. It is? It's your number, number one? one? Oh. I cried so much at the end of this movie. <laughs> I, um... I had one of those, like, silent cry, where I think I had, a like, a single... No, I mean, there's a lot of parts of the movie that kept me like welling up and 
I didn't straight up like cry or bawl, but I sat there for like 10 minutes after the movie was over and just like looked at my hands and thought about life and stuff. It's like, um, I think this movie is so identifiable for our generation. Um, the, I think when the movie takes the modern time is like, they're all, they're right around our age. I think they're like 30, yeah, yeah, they're 38 it, it, years old. Yeah. And they, uh, they reconnected because of Facebook and, you know, and webcams and stuff. There's so much, even though they knew each other in real life, I think so many people can watch this film and identify a relationship, perhaps maybe even an internet relationship that they had that was like this. And you know, life goes a certain way, but yet and there's dozens of what ifs. And but it's so it's just so beautiful, and the, and the music and the score of this film too really elevated it for me. Um, I love the music. It's so so much feeling in it. Terrific performances, and I love how um, the the weaving of the English dialogue and the Korean dialogue it just matches the themes of the film and everything. It's amazing, yeah. amazing, incredible film. Yeah. So much about about <laughs> love and love and things that could have been and reliving the past and trying to just find happiness in situations where you don't think you'll, you can be happy. Right. And to watch these two people just connect and disconnect and miss, miss in connection that they desperately need. Right. Uh, only to find themselves in different situations con consistently. Her, her relationship with her husband is so wonderful. Right. And it's so honest and down to earth. Yeah. Like they feel like a real couple. They do. Which which is which is incredible. And that scene where they're in the bar together at the end of the three of them, which they open up on too. Yeah. Uh that scene when he tells her, I didn't think liking was gonna hurt as much. Right. I I the tears started coming then and when she finally was able to let go of her emotions and just cried on the street. I just wept. I yeah. wept so hard and I'm, I'm tearing up now. It's yeah. so gorgeous. This film is beautiful. And uh, yeah, I, I recommend this to everybody. I know I kind of just spoiled a lot of it, but well, like, like you said before, if a movie's good enough, spoiling it won't ruin it. And I think there's so much going on excuse me, in the relationships that even if you know exactly how the film ends up, um, it's still worth watching. Um, and I love, this is, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler too, but I love that the movie, uh, nobody, nobody cheats. They're honest and they're open about everything. And, right. and she, you, you can tell that she loves her husband and, and then it, you know, there's some anguish and there's pain there, but it would have been so cheap if they hook up or whatever. I and mean, that's yeah. not the point of the movie. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't go that way. Yeah, and the fact that he goes to like essentially steal her he realizes that's not going to be an option. Yeah. And then the three of them go out for them. It's yeah. it's heartbreaking in a way that that I just don't think you I don't think you can't connect with it. Like it I don't know. I don't know. I want everyone to love it because it's the problem with this movie is it's a nice movie. Yeah. It's it's not bombastic. It's not 
making some grand statement. It's just a movie about people and it's nice and it's melancholy. Yeah. And that's kind of been a big thing for me this year is melancholy. Yeah. Melancholy, but not melancholy in the infinite sense. That's a terrible. Son of a, (laughs) there's about eight good songs on it. Fucking disagree. (laughs) I I will say I, I, my, uh, my December push of films it, I get seasonal depression kind of bad, and especially in Iowa because we don't see the sun for about a good four or five months. Right. So that doesn't help. So right. my my December push of films, I kind of had to skip a few. This was one of them. The Boy and the Heron was another one. I, I just I, I just didn't want to be sad. I will say this: they're sad, but they're very life affirming. And and I'll talk about the yeah. Boy and the Heron in a little bit. Sure. Um, but yeah, they're they're the kind of films where it's like there's a deep sadness and melancholy to them. But when you walk out of the theater, you feel better for having explored the melancholy. It, it's almost yeah. I don't want to say it is therapy because it's not, but it is it is therapeutic in a way where it's like sure. I have explored this thing. It brought me to a a like. A, a state of sadness and reflection, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it brought me to a state of sadness, but it's not sad. It's, it, it breaks your heart a little bit. Yeah. But at the, but at the end of both of these movies, there's such a healing quality to the way it breaks your heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I avoid that and I just want the feel goods. So just throw the <laughs> feel goods at me. Fail. So that, uh, that's, that's my, that is my December push. Mm. With that said, we're going to talk about my number three. Number three. Because this was the film I specifically waited to be the last movie I watched of the of 2023. Uh, because I wanted it fresh before we talked about it. Watched Killers of the Flower Moon last night. And that oh, is my number three. Oh. My so number that two. Whole, that, yeah, that whole avoiding melancholy thing. I knew I was going to have to fucking get over that shit. Yeah, get also over my fast. number two. Yeah, oh God, oh, it's go. holy it was, fuck. <laughs> it was my number one for months, and then I had I just had to go and watch Past Lives. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it, and you know what oh, gets God. me the most is like, hey Scorsese, thank you for making your Schindler's List. Like, mm. it, this is this was him going. I'm going to make a Scorsese film that's probably the least Scorsese you've seen. But you'll know I fucking made this movie. Yeah. And Paul said this to me almost two decades ago at this fucking point. But Leonardo DiCaprio is the greatest actor of our generation. And I I stand behind that. I, 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 ever since you said that to me, I was like, fuck, you're right. And it still holds so goddamn true. Mm. I, holy fuck, this movie, dude. I, it's one that I'm still kind of digesting. It's like, uh, and I yeah, won't be I'm, I'm for a chewing while. on it today. I, I was chewing on it all fucking day. I saw this in October, and I'm still digesting it. I'll just yeah. think about this movie from time to time, get really fucking sad, and then think about it for the rest yeah. of the day. It's, it it is violent in ways that I kind of wasn't expecting because it's not like out and out Scorsese violent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is this, so emotionally violent, kind of like uh, Age of Innocence. Right. This it's, is his realest fucking movie ever. Like it, it, it feels like yeah, this is a it's violent, 
but it is the exact violence that it was. It's it's so violent, but the the violence is so casual from the perspective of the people perpetrating it, which yeah. is what makes it all the more yeah. disgusting. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, this which, is just yeah. stuff we do. This is which this really. Which really speaks to, to the racism of these right. characters that they think of these people as essentially subhuman. Right. This 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 tribe of name of, of of indigenous peoples, and they just they just slaughter them. Right. Like like animals. Yeah, literally, they're like, we need to move this uh, this um, livestock over here. We need to get rid of this one so we can claim this piece of land. It's it's also gross and, and but, it's, it, but it's honest and yeah it it's alarming yeah and the fact that they they make a point to make leo's character at the beginning of the film it's like yes he he's he knows how to read like they make a point of that like hey this is a man who can be learned but is just the largest stooge yeah he's just a blunt instrument so. yeah sent to wreck havoc but you see his decision in it all as well right he's, where he's, he's smart enough to fucking know better absolutely he, complicit and he says okay yep let's do this and i holy fuck i and i told my wife because we were you know, i started at like 10 30 last night and i looked at the runtime i'm like oh okay I, you know again i do like some long movies i love this movie <laughs> So, yeah. I, yeah, see this movie, make sure you got subtitles that'll actually let you be able to <laughs> watch the Osage uh, on it, because I don't, I, Hollywood, please, if you're going to have foreign languages, because how was it done in the theaters? It was, it was hard. Was it, was it hard coded in? Because yeah. put it out there that I just, uh, I don't know. Hard, hard code everything. Yeah, just hard code. Yeah. Just make that standard for everything. I don't care if you don't like subtitles. Get the fuck over it. Yeah, yeah. and like, go on. <clears throat> I was gonna say. I, th- I guess there's probably you know there's some films and some scenes where okay maybe you want to leave some mystery for the audience because maybe that's not for the audience to know. There, there's like some of the wedding scenes and things that weren't subtitled and that's okay. I mean, but the conversations that are pivotal to the plot were so that that was good and that's important. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure how I was feeling about uh, Leo's performance, like for the first third of the movie, because I kind of got tired of his frown mouth. <laughs> yeah, the the, <laughs> but, the sling blade face. Yeah, but yeah. but as it went on, and and you could see more of his uh his conflict and turmoil. That you know, it's not like you're feeling sorry for him because he's a piece of shit. But as his character starts unraveling, and uh, the performance drew me in. But um, yeah, you yeah. know. It's uh Scorsese just makes a movie that <laughs> uh it's it's cinema. You watch it and you you know what you're seeing. It, it there's just a feeling with the Scorsese movie that uh, whether it's the way he shoots it or or the acting or the way, the editing is just the way yeah. it all comes together. It feels like for me how when I when I think of a movie Scorsese makes a movie uh whatever that means in my head but yeah he he utilizes all parts of filmmaking right he 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 wants you to have a theatrical experience so he makes right. the movie he makes he makes his films bombastic and there is nothing lacking in this movie 
you know, I have I have very slight. Uh, not sure how I feel about how the ending was handled. With oh, I love it. The it radio. Great. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was but beautiful. I thought that was like. Uh, on one hand, I was like, "Well, I want to see more," but on the other hand, it's like showing the way that it was kind of downplayed and dismissed as, "Hey, this is a radio fodder, and let's exactly. not talk about it anymore." And 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 think about think about what one of the highest forms of entertainment is right now. Podcast crime, true, true crime, yeah, oh. podcasts especially. <laughs> like like they are they are not only just showing you how oh well this is this is how this was done like you're most of the nation's going to learn about this through a radio podcast and it's just going to be kind of thrown away with foley art and everything and blah 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 and uh-huh. that's exactly is exactly what true crime podcasts are today they are mm-hmm. they are entertainment based off of off of horrible tragedies that people consume like like they're marvel films yeah. and it's weird when you put it that way <laughs> it, it is it is yeah. weird yeah but i mean i i'm not i'm not judging anybody for enjoying right. true crime podcasts it's just i think it really i think it really kind of encapsulates that idea like we treat tragedy as entertainment in this yeah. country so here you are it is laid bare for you to see that tragedy is in that you treat tragedy as entertainment and now you just watch this three and a half hour movie and we kind of did the same thing, but we we need you to know that we understand the artifice that has gone into this, so that this tragedy is not just entertainment; it's a right. cautionary tale, right? That this could happen again, and it does happen all the time. And we got fucking Palestine going on right now, like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. And, and I I like openly wept when he came out with the when Mark, Marty came forward and started yeah. reading the details mm-hmm. of, of uh, the main character, because it was, it was this moment where he was like, okay, all right. Yeah. We Molly. just did this yeah. Molly. Thank you. Uh, we just did this long movie. You're invested in her. And then we ended it this way. And if you, I don't want you to hear the news of her tragedy from anybody else, but me, yeah. because I feel it is my duty as a storyteller and as a director to relay this information to you directly to your face. Mm-hmm. I loved that so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So what was your number two again, Zach? This was my number two killers <laughs> yeah. of the flower moon. So, so I guess we need two time. <laughs> All right. So now to take it off of, uh, what technically again, this is the bias list. So, Killers of the Flower Moon would have been my number one if I was just going by what I think was the best film of the year, with Holdovers being number two. Of my favorite movies of the year, my number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Brad, it's my number 13. For some reason, I held off watching this film until two days ago. Ooh. I don't know why. Just, it was one of those things where I was like, I, I love the first one. First one was is probably one of my best favorite superhero films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I not watching this movie? And then I finally was like, you know what? Sit the fuck down, Jonathan. Watch this movie. And then I went, holy shit. <laughs> How do you go from what the first one was to going, okay, we learned the right lessons. Mm-hmm. We said, okay, all of that that we did in that first one. How about double the fuck down? Right. And okay. do more of exactly what was right. 
and it feels almost like Lord and Miller have carte blanche. Like, yeah, Sony's just leaving them alone. Which, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> like whatever they're whatever they're directing, whatever they're producing, just let them cook. Let yes. them fucking cook. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, and I and I spent damn near an entire year of people going. Oh, when is Beyond going to happen? When is Beyond? And I'm just sitting here going, what the fuck happened at the end of this movie? And the end of the movie happened. I was like, when is Beyond coming out? It was literally my first Google search was when the fuck is Beyond coming out? So yeah, it, was, it was supposed to be March until all that scandal about them pushing artists too hard came out. And they were like, oh, yeah. no, it's 2025. Sorry, guys. Oh, is it 2025 now? Yeah, they pushed it back. Oh, no. All right. You know what? Yeah, it hurts, but it's the right decision. It and, is. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, that film was just gorgeous. It, it yeah, on, honestly, like this is still a five star film for me, and I rewatched it this week, and it is so fucking incredible. But it it goes into my thirteenth spot because of knowing that poor animators were abused to make this movie. Yeah, it kind of lessens it for me. Yeah, mm. crunch is is to be avoided, but the fact that they are. Fixing that, but it's only because they got caught. Mm. Guilty but, of being caught red-handed. Yeah, so. Yeah, but yeah. that being said, yeah, they, this is my second favorite film of the year. I, I fucking loved it. I it is, it's Trav's watch number it two. Times. Trav's number two? Yep. Good job, Trav. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I want to go off on a little bit of it real quick before, before we move on, but the the fact, like you said, that they took all the right lessons from the first one where the first one was anybody could be Spider-Man. So here's a group of Spider-Man people for you to understand this concept of. There's a fucking cartoon pig who is Spider-Man. And if you don't like that a cartoon pig is Spider-Man, go go jump off a bridge because yeah. you're not going to be happy with anything because Spider-Ham rules. And then this movie turns around and goes, okay, literally anybody could be Spider-Man. We're going to go into a goddamn building full of spider people and they're just going to be raining from the fucking ceiling <laughs> and everybody is spider-man every fucking facet of of the world every corner of the earth has a spider-man representing them and it's gorgeous yeah. it is beautiful and i love it i love that they take that that conceit so seriously mm -hmm. But not at the same time. It's such a it's such a goofy joke that anybody could be Spider Man. Here is the Spidey Mobile named Peter Parked Car, <laughs> who is Spider Man. This Spider Mobile is Spider Man. That's how fucking silly this shit is. Yeah. And 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 here we are. The exact problem that I have with Mario Brothers movie. It is not imaginative enough. It works within these works within a small bubble where you could only reference. The things that people are going to remember. This movie says, fuck that. Imagination is the most important thing here. If we can think right. of it, it can go on screen. Mm -hmm. Fucking Spider-Mobile being Spider-Man, being named Peter Park Park, funniest fucking shit I've ever seen. And it's in this movie. And it and that's not even the weirdest thing in this movie. And it just keeps going. And we see them jumping from place to place there's lego spider-man we see the lady from the venom movies like it just keeps going right yeah but it, but it's never an empty reference because everything means something and but it's also 
kind of contained within the silliness of a movie that's surrounded by a very meaningful uh, arc about Miles and his family and everything. It, right. It, it does stupid cameo reference had a fucking point and was perfect. Donald Glover in it alone. Yeah. What yeah. was enough for me to the, go. This the, is genius. The layers and layers of reference that goes into Donald Glover having that cameo is astounding. And they didn't need to do that. But the fact that Miles Morales was made because racist fanboys on the internet didn't want him, didn't want Donald Glover to play Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. And then he ends up in a Spider-Man movie. And then he re-cameos as that same character in a different format. Like, it, uh-huh. there's so much. Like, the layers of that, it isn't... I mean, if you know who Donald Glover is and you're watching the movie, you go, oh, there's Childish Gambino. Wonderful. But when you know all yeah. that, like, there's such a richness to it. Yeah. Somebody, you know, might see, you know, the the first, uh, oh, what's his face? <laughs> the current Spider-Man. Um, oh, Hulk, uh, yeah. Tom yeah. Holland. Where, where, you know, Donald Glover's uh, in, in that movie, and he's like, oh, my, my nephew lives in the Bronx. It's like. Yeah. It's all it's it's wild. Uh, you know, while we're, while we're talking on the movie, I'll go ahead and reveal that it's actually my number one, and we got nice. physical copy on for oh, Christmas here. Yes. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah, over ninety it, minutes of extras. Ooh. Oh. But yeah, it. Yeah, I'll sit and watch the storyboard version of that film because I yeah, watched yeah, the storyboard please. version of the first one. I don't yeah. get out to the theaters much, but I saw this movie twice in theaters, and I'm glad that I did it. I loved it just as much uh, the second time. Um, and I went back largely because of that that sound issue we had the first time. But um, right, it's the only movie I've seen more than twice because I watched it at home too uh, this year. I just, I'm just blown away by the technical aspects of it, but also the storytelling and and the voice acting. Yeah. Everything is so the, good. The layers of animation, how how you go to a different world and it's animated completely differently. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not just resting on the laurels of the first film going, starting in Gwen Stacy's world. And it's all like watercolors and pastels, right? Like that's, that's so good. Cause right. it, it gives you such a different feel for how she, who she is and how she lives. And then, you know, again, like you're just going everywhere and having a great time going those places. And, and yeah, they, they don't sacrifice any of the emotion or any of the story. You still, care so deeply about miles you care about his relationship with his parents Mm -hmm. uh especially like his his dad got a lot of play in the first one this is his mom's movie right uh and you you're invested in in him and invested in where he's going to go like in life as well as physically it's incredible it's incredible that this film is so just front to back bursting at the seams and it's as coherent as it is absolutely all right well that guy i'm sorry i feel like i stole your number no number one here but it's uh, fine paul revealed uh, his number one so sure did well i I guess my three four or five (laughs) well i guess we'll just give you my number one then which should come as no surprise it is D &D hat motherfucker (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes nice. i also i watched that recently i will say it's my number 26 understandable 
Uh, it is Trav's, let's see, 14. Yep. I started it last night, so I'll finish it. You know, oh, God, I can't wait for you to finish this. Oh, All my right. fucking. <laughs> it is. I kind of liked the uh, the first D&D movie. I kind of liked it. Right. But it was it was trying to make a fantasy movie with a D&D title on it. Right. This was writers playing Dungeons and Dragons and putting it in a script. It, this this is what would happen if a DM wrote a pretty serious story with a big bad evil guy and the players went off the fucking rails. This was Dungeons and Dragons in every aspect of it. And each character, I spent so much time during the movie, during the at least five times I've seen it, going, I know each and every one of their stat blocks. <laughs> Everybody is at a zero intelligence. And that's even if you didn't have the devour the uh, intellect devourers going by that fucking hilarious scene. Michelle Rodriguez played, and I don't like Michelle Rodriguez. I just don't. I, she's she's such a good barbarian. Though. She is a perfect plus zero modifier to her int barbarian. Like it, it she was so fucking good. She's throwing potatoes. <laughs> the, the the fact that her serious moment of having a conversation with her gnome ex. Bradley Cooper. Of Bradley Cooper. <laughs> makes you go, you what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> like we are having a serious conversation. Like this is character progression right in front of us. Having a serious moment, and I am laughing my ass off. <laughs> is perfect writing. Perfect writing. And like there's so much of this movie that when I was when I went and saw this in the theaters, I I'm I'm not a big D and D guy. I, I play with my friends sometimes, but I, I don't care for D and I'm just not a fan. Like all my friends are like, oh, we're gonna play in like like two one shots a month, and we're in three different games. I'm like, I I'm in one game, and I play it every other week. And some weeks I just don't want to do that, but I do it anyway because my friends are doing it. Yeah, and. And I and I and I want to hang out with my friends, so so that that's me as a D and the the minimal knowledge I have of D and D took me so far in this movie, and I had a wonderful time. And then I had David Ray, the giant DM, sitting next to me, just leaning over every now and then, going, "That's a far for far, and it's from far for far." And I was like, <laughs> "This is this is great." It is I'm so, so like that's the thing. I'm so like, happy for you right now. <laughs> like it is made like this movie is so made for D and D nerds, and it's like just the few references they make to actual Forgotten Realms lore. And you don't need to have that. You could not enjoy D and D at all. You could not anything D and D. You can just be like, "Hey, look, this is a fantasy movie," and still have a great fucking time. But if you are a D and D nerd, you will love every second of this every, movie. Every inch of the frame has something for you. Yes, like it. And, like, and I'm telling you, getting to sit next to a huge D and D nerd while this movie is going on made me made me happier to just be there experiencing someone feel like they're being seen on screen 
it was it was great. I, mm. I I would have difficulty watching this movie. Like I, my wife enjoyed the little bit that she watched of it, but I know if I were to sit down and watch it with her, I would do what David did, except in that annoying Lord of the Rings nerd <laughs> way. I was yeah. like that. That's that. That's that. You know, and uh, that guy kicked that thing. That's yeah, why. That's what he broke. Yeah. Just it. It, it is so perfect. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this. Um, I know, like it's, I know it didn't make the most money, which is kind of weird because it is a loved movie. Like I don't think I know anybody who didn't like it. Right. But everybody I, who's seen it loves this movie. Yeah. Like I feel like this is a hundred percent satisfaction across the board, unless you're just a fucking asshole. Yeah. Sorry, Zach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, literally, everybody I know, even even non D and D nerds, people people who have less D and D knowledge than myself, loved this movie. Yeah, because it's so it's so well written, and there's so much love. Again, get the right people who care about it. Yeah, and get to make it the way they want to make it. You're going to have a good movie. Yep, it's mm-hmm. just that simple. <laughs> and I and I'm torn on where it's going to go from here because I would love to see this format with a different party every time. I would also like to see this party and where they go from here. Right. So I I I'm, I'm torn on both ends. So I, I I I'm interested to see where it goes. I feel like if they're going to do the television series like they were talking about that should mm-hmm. be a different party i think the movie yeah. should should follow this party okay and, and i'm about that as well most Cause... mostly because i i love all of these actors in these roles and mm-hmm. i don't want to see them not be in these movies yeah like every single actor is just incredible at what they're doing yeah and i love chris pine I will He's, always love Chris Pine. In fact, in my house for the longest time, uh, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, Chris everybody has only been referenced as not Chris Pine. <laughs> when when I get uh, to my number three, I'll be a little bit more. Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie rules. Everybody should see it because you're going to yes. have a fun time. Um, real quick, real quick anecdote about this movie. I rewatched it recently because every year we go ornament shopping with my in-laws. And and the boys get to pick out ornaments, and they make me they make me pick out an ornament. Some years, I I, I had to pick out an ornament. I'll get back to that. My number three as well. Um, and I thought to myself, if I'm going to get an ornament, if I'm going to be forced to get an ornament, I only want one ornament, and it's of the goodest boy of the year. Yes, <laughs> Thimbershod, the super fat dragon, who is the goodest boy. I love him. And then Jason decided he was going to get the Thimber shot <laughs> ornament. And I was like, okay, if you're buying the Thimber shot ornament, we're watching the D and D movie when we get home. And we did. And he was like, he's my favorite. I'm like, of course he is. Yes. He's the goodest <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, right. Paul, I have a five. I have a five through three to cover. So I'll All do right. that. My number five is Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. Mm. It, again, I, I know I said some of it up, from, up uh, when we were talking about past lives. There's such a melancholy to this movie. I mean, it starts with a young boy losing his mother in a uh, bombing. Mm. Uh, and he's forced to 
leave his city. It, it's it's very uh very lion witch in the wardrobe in that way. Mm-hmm. And he him and his father about a year later go move in to the house that his uh aunt is living in who his father is now marrying. And it becomes this reflection on on death and grief and specifically how how children deal with these things in fantastical ways uh how having to accept the loss of a loved one and accept uh, i don't want to say replacement but like the the invitation of a new loved one into your life mm-hmm. someone that you may not know very well and someone who who has a vested interest in you but you don't necessarily have a vested interest in them um there's such a deepness and richness to uh, the young boy's tragedy and his pain and how he goes on this very Miyazaki journey into a land of imagination and talking birds and Dave Batista as a giant parakeet. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so beautiful and it's, it's so much more than I was expecting. And I don't want to give too much away. I, I've yeah. spoiled some other movies and you guys haven't seen this one. And right. there are, there are just moments and specific lines in this movie that will stab you right in the heart. But at the end of it, you walk away feeling like you've just worked through something and God, it's, it's so good. Miyazaki dingers. The man just hits dingers all day. And, yeah. and this if the wind rises wasn't going to be his last film, and this sounds like it's not going to be either, uh, this would be a great last film uh, yeah. for someone who has such done such a meditation on death and on legacy. And I love it. I love this movie so much. And yeah. I think everybody should see it. Yeah. It's my number one most anticipated to see that I haven't been able to see. So I'm very it excited. It will not disappoint you. It is one I will watch. When I see the sun again, yeah, and I have it, vitamin D in my system, it will not disappoint you. Dave Batista plays a giant parakeet. Is Robin Robert Pattinson is the the heron or something like he's that? He's the or? heron. Yeah, he's the heron who <laughs> who. This isn't much of a spoiler, but the heron is a the heron is a some weird magical creature posing as a heron who um, the great grand uncle of the boy makes be his guide through this fantastic world. The, the great grand uncle is being played by Mark Hamill. Um, um, of course. Yeah. And he's essentially like, I saw the Japanese dub uh, with, with, with English subtitles and Robert Pattinson is doing an impression of the guy who plays the heron in the Japanese version. And it's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, it shocks me that people are like, can you believe Robert, Robert Pattinson? Have you not seen Robert Pattinson do a movie in the last 10 years? Please, yeah. people, come on. When people, when people tell me that they think Robert Pattinson's not that great an actor, I'm like, you, you only know him from Twilight. and You're, you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's done so much good work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People, especially who are like, oh, so surprised that the, the sparkly vampire was good as Batman. Yeah. He was okay as Batman, but, Go see the fucking Rover or Hard Time or 
mm. a, a movie. <laughs> Stop watching all this childish bullshit and go see an actual movie, please. You're 40. Um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to go <laughs> off on that tangent. Robert Pattinson's great in the uh, great in the American cast, but uh, yeah, see see this, see this immediately and. I think you can't go wrong either way you watch it. It's a great American cast, uh, English cast, I should say, and it's a great, great Japanese cast. Nice. All right. My number four of the year. And this is one of those moments where I thought I was way too biased to be, to have put this movie so high until I saw other people saying the same things. And I felt very vindicated, like a dashboard confessional song <laughs> at the end of Spider-Man two. Um, Godzilla minus one is the best Godzilla movie. It why is that not on my list? Fuck! <laughs> I thought that was going to be your number one until I forgot about. Hold it. on, hold on. on. All right, Paul, talk. Just Paul, talk. Paul, okay, I'm going Paul, to talk. talk. How they have mined Godzilla for everything he's worth and still are able to make a movie this good, this relevant, and this emotional is bonkers. Yeah, absolutely fucking bonkers. This movie is so sad, but at the same time, it's again so uplifting. I don't know. You know, I said that about three films from Asia right now. Well, I guess past lives from the U.S., but you know, it, it, it's yeah. a South Korean filmmaker. I said that about three films from Asia right now. There's a melancholy sweeping Asian cinema, apparently, yeah. and I'm here for it. I am here for it. I want it all. Yeah. I want all of this it, to bring Godzilla back to his roots to make him the, the fearsome, uh, the fearsome symbol of nuclear paranoia in Japan in the 1940s. Just have him ripping through Tokyo and being a goddamn menace and being the other goodest boy in all of cinema. <laughs> love it. I love everything that's going on here. He's, he's frightening. He is just a, a force to be reckoned with. And this is the way we need Godzilla to be. He is just, oh God. And the fact that this was made for like one fifteenth of the budget of Aquaman, Aquaman. Or I just Ant saw Man. that. Yeah. The Ant-Man and the Wasp, Blobby Mania <laughs> is, is astounding. Now it makes me worry that maybe, I don't know, Jap, Jap, Japanese cinema tends to be a little more lax and like laid back, but it make it also makes me worry that we have kind of a spider verse situation where maybe these, these FX artists were overworked and underpaid. Maybe they weren't, maybe they just did good work with less than $15 million. <laughs> mm. Someone asked the director, how much did you spend on it? He's like, not that much. They're like 15. He was like, I wish. Wow. What? <laughs> it's it's better looking than almost every movie that like a uh, special effect <laughs> Jonathan winding up yeah this might have number fucking two film of the year it, I'm it sorry it be. pushed out Barbie um yeah. and you know what sorry not sorry uh <laughs> it should be it's mm. I'm telling you when starts with the fucking title it starts with the title because when you realize what that minus one fucking means, where it's, hey, Japan, you are at your lowest fucking moment in hey, your entire history that spans most of the fucking globe. 
by the way, here's a fucking monster that's going to destroy your shit. Yeah. Yep. Blows your fucking mind right there. It is. They, and it's the Godzilla that was the, like, it, it looks like it could be the guy in a suit. And they yeah. made it look fucking great. They computer animated it to look like a dude in a suit. And that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that it looks like that and you're still terrified of it. In, because that boat chase sequence with the little wood boat and them shooting him in the face. Horrifying. It is so goddamn tense and scary. And Godzilla, it I like I've always like ever since I was a kid, because I'm very much with Paul, monsters destroying shit is the best genre. It the is best. just it's the best. That is where it's at. Fuck you if you think otherwise. <laughs> and for me as a kid, I'd always been like, there's so much humans on this, I want to see monsters blowing up shit. Godzilla's in this movie 20 minutes, maybe, huh. if that. Yeah. And when he's out there, Jesus fucking Christ, he's it's yeah. Yeah, they it it's a very Jaws effect where it's like the less you see this monster, the the more horrifying he's going to be when he comes on screen. But you you're given a main character who you don't know how you should feel about him. He's he's a fucking coward who you pity the entire fucking film. Right. And you feel bad for him. And he's got this got this child living with him, this woman who he kind of mistreats who will do anything for him and, and the world's cutest kid next to mine who yeah cuter than both my kids about right <laughs> it, it, i fucking i'm so happy that i decided one day to just go get the fuck up and go see this movie in theaters it's 10:30 at night you don't want to play video games right now go to the fucking movies and go see this movie it is Absolutely worth seeing on the screen, and I really yeah. want to go see it again. Yeah, mm. I, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I really want to. And I, I, based on you know feedback from you and a whole bunch of people, everyone I've seen, they're just like there's so many series of TikToks who's like, I'm on my way to so see the new Godzilla movie, and then it's like they cut to the next frame where they're like, it's like in black and white, and they're crying and stuff. He, yes, and I'm telling you, I. <clears throat> I was crying in the theater when I went and saw a Godzilla movie, and I felt yeah. weird about that. Yeah. And then I got online, and everybody was like, why did I cry at the end of Godzilla movie? I was like, thank God, I didn't want to be some weirdo who was way too <laughs> affected by a Godzilla movie. Yeah. I'm a weirdo who's been too emotionally affected by a Godzilla movie, and a sea of weirdos that have been too emotionally affected by a Godzilla yeah. movie. <laughs> I, I am happy with the distribution of the kaiju that's being done right now because if Japan is going to continue to do things like this, it allows America to Americanize Godzilla, how we do. And the way that I can enjoy giant monsters, fucking destroying shit. We do that. Right. Japan, give me that too, please. Because I'm, if I'm getting it on both sides, just yes, please. And and the great thing about Godzilla is Godzilla has been around for so long and has been in so many movies that there there is no wrong wrong way to do Godzilla unless it's in 1998 and it's directed by Roland Emmerich. There's no other wrong yeah. way. <laughs> and I still love that movie. <laughs> it's so First dumb. movie I ever saw at AMC. Oh, it's so dumb and bad. It is, but it gave us a really dumb and bad cartoon too. So yeah, I I love both Godzilla cartoons that exist. Yeah, I, oh 
I, yeah, it that God, just thinking about that movie, yeah, is just so good. It's and it's and, it, and it's such a callback to, in in the best ways. It yeah, go, and like go see that film, and and they also like don't hide the fact that you know Japan has he's kind of on the wrong side of that war and kind of has a. Uh, some, some bad things they did. And then the Japanese government just kind of lets their people rot in the days after the war. Yeah. And that and Godzilla is kind of all about that too. And you know, not, not to say that America was much better. Go watch Oppenheimer about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which beautiful companion pieces, by the way, watch Oppenheimer, then watch Godzilla minus one beautiful companion pieces. <laughs> um, I just, I, I just love that the concept of this is a movie about post-war Japan, like right in the aftermath too. Not, not even yeah. the the first Godzilla still took place almost a decade after, after the war ended. Like yeah. nine, it came nine years later. But, but here's a fucking monster for you too. Yeah, it, it's you kind of want to find that metaphor of Godzilla in there, but it's almost literally like. He's kind of here to give you something to do while you're chewing on all this shit. <laughs> like, and, it's and yeah. I I can't wait for it to finish so that I can get it to you guys. Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV right now. Also worth the time. It is yeah, a, I, I, I really interesting exploration of like dealing with conspiracy theory and post nine eleven, the a post nine eleven world. It's uh. it's great. And one more thing about Godzilla, uh, yep. his breath attack. Holy fucking shit. Holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. It's, it's so the coolest one ever. Yeah. It, ever. it, it, when, when he deploys it, it breath took it away. It, I couldn't. Yeah. All right. My final film, I'm going to talk. Well, the final film on my list. And then I have a couple of mentions I want to make before we finish up. Uh, my number three film of the year. And this one, I don't know if I'm objective at all. I think I just really love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that much because Mutant Mayhem, Mutant Mayhem is the one film that came out this year that told me that there are people out there who saw Spider-Verse and went, I understand what they did and we're going to do that too. And it is the rightful successor of what Spider-Verse set up. Because it takes the turtles in such an interesting direction. It highlights the teenage and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. It has teenagers playing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which first, these characters feel so lived in and like they are brothers. Splinter is such a wonderful father in this movie. Uh, at least, at least he's a pretty mediocre father who learns how to be a wonderful father. So I'm still trying to learn lessons from him. Mm. Um, so I cannot be mediocre anymore. I'm trying to graduate to just okay. Um, so it does so much with these characters that I've never seen. Like it is such a fresh take. Yeah. And it has great cinematic parallels with its villains has great cinematic parallels with April O'Neil. Her character makes sense and why, why she would be interested in the turtles for, and interested in like, and, and helping them while she helps herself. Mm-hmm. Like the characters all have very realistic motivations. 
it's so, the, the writing is so smart and the storytelling is so smart. And I, I think it might be the best Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg project, which is saying a lot because the boys rules. Um, it, it understands these characters and it also feels so in the moment for guys who are older than us making movies for teenagers to consume. Mm-hmm. They, they really feel like they understand how to market to this generation. And I honestly think this might be the best Ninja Turtles movie. And I love the first one and the 2007 one. I love those movies so much. It's, it's kind of perfect. And it, I don't know, it has, it really treats the family aspect as the number one thing. The yeah. brother, you know, the, the Ninja Turtles always fight and they always have like a brotherhood thing. But in this one, they feel like siblings. They talk to each other like siblings. They right. squabble like siblings. They don't just like get mad at each other and fight. They, they, they have little tips and they have little jabs and like they, their, yeah. their comebacks are smart and they, they all want, they all have a single want and they all have separate wants. And those things all feed into the plot and they all feed into the characters. And then when the villains show up and they're, wants are the same but different at the mm-hmm. same time like they have this again have this real cinematic parallel between superfly and splinter and then splinter uh while he's trying to appeal to the boys to not put themselves in danger he he throws them a little party and he has a bunch of standees of celebrities and one of those celebrities is mm-hmm. uh is Chris Pine dresses Captain Kirk, who he tells you is the best Chris. <laughs> like this movie's so relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I, I go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and uh back to the the story about going to pick out um uh, ornaments. I I don't like picking out ornaments because we have too many of them in our house. Put aside my feelings on Christmas and everything, and this year has really, really put me in a bad mood about it. Um, I'm struggling, guys. Um, so, so I just don't want ornaments because my wife and my kids get new ones every single year, and we already have bins full of them. Yeah. I'm just like, we don't need another one. But my father-in-law was like, if you buy one, I get like 20% off or something. Fine. I'll get a fucking ornament. So I bought the Leonardo mutant mayhem ornament because it was the only single turtle they had. And I was like, well, if they're going to make me buy ornaments every year, at least I can start a collection of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, I, 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 I've been sleeping on that movie. <clears throat> you kind of convinced me that when we are done talking today, I will go and watch that. Yeah. The, the, the animation is beautiful. It's it's 3D animated, but there's so much of it. It looks like stop motion. Mm. It it is beautiful animation. And I'm telling you, like if if you slept on this movie and it looks like Trav put it at his number one. Oh. So he understands where I'm coming from. Thank you, Trav. Um, but at the same time, Thanksgiving's his number six. So can we really trust him? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Trav. Uh but yeah, that's my number three. That's that's my boy in the heron, Godzilla minus one, mute mayhem, killers of flower moon, past lives. That's my five to one. What a, what a what a great grouping of films. Yes. 
Yeah. I did see Mutant Mayhem, and I'll I'll say right right out of the gate, I was a a kid who who liked the cartoon, and I had action figures, and I enjoyed the movies. I don't love them as much as a lot of people from our generation do, um, and I never really kept up with the stuff that went on through the early two thousands. So uh, it's a it's a franchise that I like and I respect, but I'm not like deeply in love with. As much as Paul is clearly, yeah, um, yeah. I I had it at my number fifteen, and I gave it four stars. I I liked it a lot, and the, my my favorite part was the teen actors. And I think Paul mentioned this in in, in his uh, review of it. It just seems like they're they're I don't know if they're ad libbing and riffing off each other, but they're so yeah. good and they're so natural. And like like you said, they seem like their brothers and and real teenagers. And um, I. Like the scene that made me laugh the most was when they were getting milked. It's like <laughs> they're milking him. <laughs> that sounds so weird out of context, probably Jonathan's like yeah, it really does. Yeah. Oh, just, that's all you're gonna get from us yeah. because you need nice. to see it. <laughs> all right. The animation is stellar. Uh everybody's uh really good. I I didn't necessarily love this take of Splinter. Um I don't know. That is it. It's it's Splinter is like a divorced dad, and yeah. I kind that's kind of what I or as a single dad at least that's kind of what I love about him is that yeah. he is they again there there's so there's so much good character work that goes into him that even when you immediately kind of don't like him he makes sense yeah and he grows and he learns and I I think he I think he's not my favorite iteration of Splinter, but he does know who the best Chris is, and that's yeah, important. That is important. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I liked it a lot, and I think uh, I know I know Trav uh, reads Team and T comics and things, and like is deeply in the fandom like you, and so I think it's a movie that's very much made for fans, but in a fresh way to bring in a new generation. Yeah, and I think I mean the hardest thing about Ninja Turtles is that they, this is the third iteration of Ninja Turtles we've got in the last 11 years. Mm. Like not, not including there's comics that are another iteration, maybe a couple of iterations of the Ninja Turtles, but just live action or uh, put on film Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Now the 2012 Ninja Turtles are probably my favorite version of the Ninja Turtles, the Nickelodeon show. Okay. Because they're doing, they're having so much fun. And it's a Ninja Turtles that feels very inspired by the old Teen Titans show. Oh, not, okay. Not Teen Titans Go, but there, there is still some, well, you know, there's, there's a lot of silliness in the old Teen Titans cartoon. But, and may, maybe that's just me saying that because Greg Sipes, who plays um, Beast Boy, is also Michelangelo. Oh. Um, but he's phenomenal as both. And, uh, yeah, I just like it. it. It it takes a lot from the comics, but it forges its own path, and it's a really interesting take on the Ninja Turtles. And the first episode of that is so good, so excellent. Right. I'm I'm gonna do a couple of shout outs before we go. Just uh, every year, I like to shout out some films that I love for the year that didn't make it into my top ten. Uh, the Iron Claw, number seven. I knew I was going to cry during this movie, and I. I was holding it together. I was like, okay, like I'm sad. I, I, 
And then the last like 10 minutes of the movie hits and I was done. I was done. It's a great movie. If you, if, if you want an actual sad movie, Jonathan, see the Iron Claw. It, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm right on that. It will it'll punch you right in the dick and you will love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, number 12. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. What a wonderful coming of age tale. Everybody see it. Uh, number 15, the movie we all were waiting for this year. Uh, Spike Kids Armageddon. Mm. Love Spike Kids 5. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, my number 17, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. Paw Patrol. Better than Bluey. Glad we all agree. Thank you. So um, wrong. <laughs> uh, I feel like I wanted to shout a couple more out. That uh, David Fincher came back with Killer. Killer's a fun movie. Wish, wish there wasn't so much uh, Morrissey in it, but you know, you can't win them all. Hmm. I finished uh, watching the Killer. I, I enjoyed that. Very meticulous really and well done. Very good. Shout out to Nimona. Oh, yeah. Nimona is my number nine. Hey, mine too. Number it's nine. One, it's nine so Mona. wonderfully gay. I yeah. love it. Uh, <laughs> and since there's only one movie in my top ten I haven't shouted out right now, I'll go ahead and shout out Bottoms at my number ten. What a perfect film. Yeah. Uh, and then I shout out a few here too as well when you're done. I got one more yep. that I just wanted to shout out because I teased it earlier. There was a movie I said that I had seen that I didn't rank because I thought it was too important to rank. It was too good and too pure for this world. And I didn't want it to be caught up in the rat race of my stupid list. And this is going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm not joking because I love this movie so much. 80 for Brady is such a sweet film full of, full of happiness and sweetness. And I suggest it for everybody. It's way better than it has any right to be. And uh, yeah, I won't rank it. I won't rank it. I gave it five stars, but I won't rank it. Probably ten stars. Uh, all these ladies are wonderful. Uh, I still think. Uh, I still think um, my brain is dead. Very tired. And I'm going to say Rita Moreno. Uh, I still think Rita Moreno is one of the most gorgeous women who ever lived. Please, Rita Moreno, give me a call. <laughs> I just want you to be happy. <laughs> I ranked it. It's my number eight. The movie's great. It's so good. Uh, Trav has it at his number 13, right above D&D hat. That's fair. There you go. Beautiful film. Indeed. All right, Jonathan, your shout-out. Uh, shout-out. Uh, so, what was my six got pushed to seven because I'm an idiot and forgot Godzilla. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, just as good as the first one. I don't know why people don't like it. You're fucking idiots. Love is magic. Love is magic, and that is my... <clears throat> That is my number 32. Uh, my number nine was Blackberry. I have that my number uh, 30. That movie is great as well. Lynn Howerton I, is a maniac. Yes. <laughs> I, being an IT nerd, I knew I was going to probably like it, and I was not disappointed. Uh, we talked a little bit before, Gran Turismo. My number 12, no idea where the fuck that movie came from. Okay, this is gonna I, see, <laughs> this is gonna sound incredibly below, but remember, I have 120 films on here. Yeah, no, no way, it's understandable. It's my number 67, but it's my number 67 at four stars. So keep keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, because I think. Hold on, how how low do I go with my four stars? That's three and a half. That's three and a half. Uh, yeah, 72. So 72 ends my four stars because I think most movies are about a B to C. 
and most movies I think hang out in the B range. Yeah. Uh, these two movies I put together in a weird way because they're my 13 and 14, but Cocaine Bear and Mithrigan are equally as good and <laughs> definitely check those out. And Cocaine Bear at 53, Mithrigan is a little bit higher, but I uh, keep talking, I'll find yeah. it. And I'm excited for Mithrigan. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, Ready 40, for 46. So 46 and 53. Not, not very... A very far apart. And in between yeah. there, in between there is totally killer, which is a time travel slasher flick that is funnier than it has any right to be. It's on, nice. it's on Prime. Go watch it. Nice. Uh, house Party. More people needed to see that. You're idiots if you haven't. And as Paul had mentioned before, best cameo of the year. Yes. Uh, and Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Those finally beasts. got me to watch uh, Bumblebee, which was really fucking good. I love What If E.T. but Transformers. Yeah. And then Rise of the Beast was a good Transformers movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Funny, it, funny enough, that's seventy and uh, Transformers 70 and House Party 71 for me. Yeah. Nice. So, those are my shout-outs there. I'll do a small shout-out to... Uh, I got to watch... Uh, I watched Air, which I thought was... Which was good. It, it was kind of low... Film. Low stakes, because uh, you know everybody knows <laughs> that right. the deal is going to happen. So it's just more about like what's going on. I did process. I didn't love the the ending, like speech and stuff, where they're like, "Oh, you're going to be great, and you're going to do this," and they were like showing the the stuff of Michael Jordan, what he would do and what he would accomplish. It, it felt that that took me out of it a little bit. I was like, just a little. I but, I think it's a pretty solid film without that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's at my thirty-three. Nice. That one was on my list. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna try to finish my list, but I'm gonna be a bit more <clears throat> not rushed on it now. Yeah. But right. see, what else do I have on my list that I need to watch? I want to uh, see Poor Things and Zone of Interest. That with Boy and the Heron are the my like three. Well, well, zone but, zone of interest is the film I want to see more than anything else right now, and I know it's going to be a gut punch of a right. film. Yeah, uh, a lot of popcorn shit like the Marvels. I still need to watch TMNT, uh, Tetris, Air, Renfield. Are you there, God? Speed, Margaret, Nimona, Quiz Lady. I still want to watch Dream oh, Quiz Lady. Yeah. Quiz Lady's cute. I like yeah. that film a lot. I got it at my fifty-one. Dream Scenario is another one I really want to watch. Got that at my 44. Real solid film. And then Wonka, for some strange reason, I want to watch that, even though I am... At my 38. Wow. It's better than you think it is. I mean, it's the guy who did the Paddington films and all of the Mighty Boosh. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) It it plays a lot more like uh, a Paddington 3 than it does a Willy Wonka prequel. So... Okay. Keep that in mind. Fair enough. Put your expectations on that. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I think we've gone on long enough. Indeed. I I made a joke about making a two-hour episode. I think we made a two-hour episode. Yeah, we're over two hours now. So there we go. We did it. But I think we're actually very interesting tonight. Yeah. I I, I I enjoy our recap episode. I really do. Uh, I I like being able to go into depth on the movies that I have watched over the year. and Yeah. I'm glad I rewatched some of them before we came in here because it gave me 
clearer things to say on them. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to watch more of them a second time, but I only have so much time during the day. Yep. Yep. And I have uh, screeners to watch because I am now a voting member of the uh, Film Independent Spirit Awards. Nice. I paid ninety five dollars for the privilege, but I I'm there. <laughs> he did it. Did it. My, my screeners have my watermark on the top of them, and I'm so excited about that. Every time I'm watching a movie, and it just has my name in the corner. Nice. Official. I, I feel like somebody, which is more than I felt in a long time, especially because mm-hmm. my wife tells me I'm not. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. But it's funny for me to think that she does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is where we are going to call it. You're somebody to me. You're somebody to me, <laughs> damn it. It's still real to me, damn it. That is where we're going to call it here. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitch, TikToks, and on Letterboxd at Alterno underscore Occam, where you can see my 2023 list and my upcoming 2024 list. Yes. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on uh, Critiker, which I'm going to shout myself out. Uh, past guest of the show, Justin Robar, uh, also a Critiker user, sent me. He's like, hey, look, we're both featured on Critiker's uh, top 20 most loved titles of 2023. Uh, our reviews were quoted. My review of uh, Across the Spider-Verse was quoted on there. Hey, nice. um, and that was pretty sweet. So that was nice to see that. Uh, but you can find me on there on Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd by searching my name. Mr. Workman. No, you can follow me at Father of the Fear on Instagram. And uh, the thing we do, um, Letterboxd, wow, I've only been looking at that fucking site for the last two hours. <laughs> uh or where I keep running tally, and you can look at my list. This you can look at my lists on all of the, the categories. This you can see my list of. Hold on, let's let's see what lists I have on here that are worth looking at. Um, I shouldn't make this any longer. Uh, my movies in which son a son proves to his father that playing video games can teach practical life skills. It's a list I have on Letterboxd, and it includes Gran Turismo and Spy Kids Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, Hold on. About war oh, games. Go add war games. <laughs> oh, I should. I should put war games on there. Uh, uh, my list of movies with people singing in a McDonald's, which includes Ordinary People and Mac and Me. Mac and Me, yeah. Both, both Best Picture winners. <laughs> it's amazing. So that's what I'm doing over on Letterboxd. Worthy. We like Trav, sister podcast, loving up Benjamin Banks for producing our show. We like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscarsky Pod and on Facebook at the Oscarsky Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five star on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, not Stitcher, or Spotify. Stitcher's gone. The, uh, I, have, of a- I haven't done this in a few weeks and yeah. it just rolled off the tongue on accident, even while I was reading the words. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Almighty algorithm. Five stars like most of the movies we talked about tonight because they're awesome and movies are awesome and your holes can be the answer. Your holes can be the answer. So, for Jonathan and Zach and uh, Chris Pine, the best Chris, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day. Bye.